Hello, listening people. Hello, and hi, Ryan. Hi, Bartek. Hi. Other than Ryan and Bartek. We are the hosts of Spit and Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. Masterpieces? Yes. The podcast that presents audio commentaries for the movies movies that seemingly don't deserve them? No, Ryan. Commentaries. Oh, soz. Sozes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm Ryan. He's Bartek. We're spitting Polish. Likingly, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish, hence the name Ryan. And, and um, you know, and, and the word and. And Bartek's is just a normal name. Yeah. It's nothing special everyone, in the Polish vernacular. Everyone knows a Bartłomiej. Exactly. They can spell it. Um, only using English characters. So, Bartek... I think on my birth certificate, it doesn't have the Polish character. Bartek. Yeah? Bartek. Yeah. Bartek. Which Bartek are you talking about, Ryan? There are so many in your life. <laughs> Lartek, Bartek's evil brother. Yes. Right next to his evil cousin, Ratek. Yes. We are in October recording this. The last few episodes have also been in October, and thus meaning it is the spookiest month of the year, because October is the month in which Halloween exists, thus... For the rest of the world that don't celebrate it, because it's only really America that does, we feel the need to cash in on this yeah, spookiness by covering scary movies. It's spring in Australia, but we like to think of it as springing deadly traps. Exactly. You know, that's when the spiders come out in the warm. Oh, yes, and Australia is the deadliest country. Exactly. We have a wasp that shoots pheromones at you so that more wasps come at you. Mm-hmm. And we just got an R rating for video games in a few years ago. Oh, yeah! So, Bartek, it's Spooky Month. We're covering movies that are scary, dark in tone, uh, chilling, thrillers, monster movies, horror movies. We've been covering a few. We did Vampire's Kiss. We did Wish Upon last week. There was another one in there, which was... It was the second one that we did. Yeah, go on. It was the one with Megan Fox. Yeah, Jennifer's Body. How could you forget? I remember. I, I genuinely <laughs> thought you were going to, like, I was like, I didn't want to name all of them myself. I wanted to hand one to Bartek. You didn't list them in order, so I was like, oh, what was the second one? Yeah, exactly. I wanted to throw you. That was the point. But I remembered it was the first word, apostrophe S. Exactly. Thing, yeah. Bartek, we're doing a spooky movie this episode, but or chilling or thrilling or monster, I don't know, because I don't know the name of the movie. I'm in the episode. You have to tell me the name of the film. This episode, we are doing, let me just check the title up there. Uh, it's Obsessia. Is that it? Obsessia. Obsessia? Yeah, Obsessia. Obsessia. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm obsessed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're doing obsessed, yeah. I don't know that film. Well, obsessed, yeah. Yeah, obsessed, yeah. Yeah. So what's that film? Is that Polish you're speaking? I mean, it's the movie from 2009. Oh, obsessed. Obsessed, yeah. Yeah. Obs- oh, you're saying it in a Polish way. I don't Polish speak- way? No, it's a Polish title. I don't speak Polish. You should have said so earlier. I am Polish, but I don't speak the language. It's really embarrassing. We shouldn't have brought it up. It's you, I'm feeling embarrassed right now. You oxymoron. I don't speak Polish. I don't know what you just said. but um. <laughs> <laughs> We are doing Obsessed from 2009. With the beautiful, beautiful Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> yes, thanks for coming, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. You're gonna, he's our guest for this episode because our guest is the disembodied spirit of Jerry O'Connell. His haircut. Oh, his haircut. <laughs> we'll get into that. This episode's real title should be 
unappreciated masterpieces, Jerry O'Connell's haircut in Obsessed. For everyone that uh, is just tuning into the show, our third ever episode, and I think this is like our 129th, was on Kangaroo Jack, where Jerry O'Connell was the lead. Mm-hmm. We did not see him again until I think last week's yeah, last episode, week's episode yeah. where Ryan gave me the revelation that that's Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> he was from Kangaroo Jack. And now next episode, here he is again, and this time he's credited. <laughs> he's like Mike Myers. <laughs> not the not the actor. Mm. He just disappears, and then you see him, and then you can't stop seeing him. You know what I mean by that? It's like, Oh, the Austin Powers movies. Then he's gone for a while. Then Cat in the Hat. Then this, this, this. And then he's gone. And then Inglorious Bastards. And then he's gone again. And, and then like, you're watching last week tonight. It's like, well, what is he doing there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, oh, my God. So, guys, you have to have a copy of the film with you because we are going to be watching the film. Uh, and we're going to be doing an audio commentary for it. And it's great if you had a copy, too, because we're going to be talking about it in detail. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to be talking about every think that's there and everything that isn't there because yeah. subtext subtext is subjective text we're not sugar coating we're blood coating oh so this movie is erotic thriller Mm-mm-mm, the scariest type of movie because it gives you an erection but also makes you scream and then you go Mm-mm-mm, seconds please exactly because i'm going to do a countdown and i'm going to say play and you're going to press play at the same time and hopefully We'll be lined up. Yep. Ryan's going to start from 54 this time. Okay, 54, 53, 52, 51, 50, 49, 48. I imagine if I did it. No, okay, get ready, because I'm going to start this in 3, 2, 1, play. Now, Bartek, imagine if I did it, but how I count like that, like 50, 49, just slow and easy. 50 Mississippi, 49 Mississippi. 50. One Idris Elba, two Idris Elba. <laughs> So this is brought, then you go to zero in the negatives. This is brought to us by the amazing people of Screen Gems. Screen Scream Gems, they should be called more like, because this is screaming they could do that quality. For, they could do that for October. They mainly release in October. <laughs> do they? Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure their previous film, When the Bow Breaks, was a September-October release. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm half sure. Just to be, sh- I, I, I just to be clear, uh, not previous, but most recent. I don't know if they've done another one that has been as... I don't know. I can't... The Screen Gems, for those who aren't in the know, which is most people, mm. uh, their production company studio that releases uh, these kind of erotic thrillers or thrillers that um, are launching pad and or stable for a lot of African-American actors or black actors, because Idris Elba is, of course, British. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, people who may not be the top-billed people, because this is ten, nearly 10 years old, and a lot of people didn't know who Idris Elba was back then. No one was campaigning for him to be James Bond when he was doing this. Mm. And, of course, Beyonce, you know, she's a well-known musician, but actress, not so much. This is the only other role I've seen her in other than... Goldmember. Goldmember, right? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything, and if I have, she's played herself. Yeah, her IMDb is just full of video shorts, as in music videos. Exactly. So, the Screen Gems do these movies pretty regularly. They pump them out. The last one that we covered on the show was When the Bow Breaks. Mm-hmm. Which was fantastic. Check it out. It's a good good romp. It really is. It's I th- wait, I <laughs> it's think, amazing. I think we were guestless in that one as well. Right? Yeah, because yeah. we're too spooky. 
Um, and this, and I'm not sure if no guess by the way. I, I'm sure they've done another one because that that came out in like 2016. When the bow breaks, uh, yeah, it was yeah because we covered it a year later. Um, but I'm sure they have, but it just hasn't uh, been in my radar yet. Uh, but I thought we should go back to the early days of Screen Gems, in which we get to see. You know, this is 2009. It's a simpler time back then. Um, Christine Lalati was in this. Um, you know, this is a movie in which it's so much simpler than When the Bow Breaks. Because When the Bow Breaks is a movie that has a lot of complicated issues and a great, an interesting setups and payoffs in a very complicated fashion. Mm. In which that movie is about a woman who is a surrogate for this family, this couple, and uses that against them and kind of plays sick mind games, blah, blah. This one's a lot more simple, yeah. stripped-backed. It's about a guy who has a, a secretary, a temp, who madly falls in love with him and starts to ruin his life. And she doesn't do it in super complicated ways. In fact, she does it in pretty direct ways that are very open and crazy. Mm-hmm. While in When the Bow Breaks, it was a lot slower, a lot more ease, a lot more... Um, finesse. So I thought you know we should go back and see where that foundation came from because I'm not saying that this is inferior or superior to When the Bow Breaks. I think they're both pretty equal. I think this one has some strength in areas that When the Bow Breaks doesn't. It explores some things that When the Bow Breaks didn't need to and vice versa. I think they're, they're equal but this is a building block for the films later on. I can definitely see this even you know, looking past when the bow breaks and other screen gems films, uh, this being a gateway to the type of erotic uh, thrillers that we enjoy. Oh yeah, we enjoy them so much. Now, Bartek, how did you feel about the opening credit sequence and seeing um, Beyonce was a producer, but not only P- uh, Beyonce, but uh, Magic Johnson, the basketball player. Was his name there? <laughs> yes. Oh wow. He was an executive producer. It's, it had it had his first name, then Magic. Johnson, and of course, we all know Magic Johnson. In uh, he's about to come up, by the way, in the, in the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Magic Johnson, <laughs> you're so right. Yeah. Um, we Australians, uh, we're not into basketball. No, but we know Magic Johnson because it's, he's it's got the of, name yeah. Magic Johnson. For it's one, one of those American athlete celebrity names that just you, transcends. You, yeah, you just hear about it. It's like Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. We knew who Terry Bradshaw was, but didn't really know who he is in the scheme of American stuff. We just know the name, maybe know the face. But, like, uh, Magic Johnson, I think, for me, I know he's that guy who's had AIDS for, like, fucking 20, 30 years. Yeah, and in South Park, they made the joke that he's only still alive because he has money. Did he play himself? And I that... don't think so. They don't really get celebrities. Sometimes they do, and they're all right. Like I feel like if he he has a good sense of humor, Magic Johnson. Like I think he really liked that episode. If he didn't actually be in it, mm. I think he really liked that episode. I think he thinks it's really funny, which it is. It That's was, a killer yeah. episode. I love that episode. So we have a lot of stars in this. Idris Elba, uh, up and coming. This is probably you know. He's an unknown in this movie for yeah. a lot of people at I, this I, time. He I, was in a few things. I had a look at his um, Wikipedia page filmography, and this wasn't at the top, but there were a few things before it that I yeah. Didn't he, really I, know I about. had seen him in a film before this called Rock and Roller by Guy Ritchie, and oh, yeah, I knew he's, that. he's 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 pretty good in that. He's 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 not in it too much. He is in it prominently because he's the only black guy, mm. but. I wouldn't have went, oh, I remembered him from that. Like, I remember Mark Strong from that movie or, or, or Toby Kebbell from that movie. But 
he was in The Wire after this, I think. I've heard good things about that. I yeah, I, I've tried to get into The Wire, and it's pretty decent. It's just one of those shows that I accidentally put down and then didn't pick mm. up again. It's sci- Is it science fiction? No, The Wire is a <laughs> fucking opposite. It's a hard, hard drama, naturalistic drama that's a cop show set on the streets. Okay. If anything, I wish it was I'm, a sci-fi. I must be mixing it up with something else, then. I would love it if it was sci-fi. Um, we have Beyonce, of course. Mm-hmm. Beyonce. Uh, I call her Bouncy. <laughs> Beyonce. Uh, there's a bit later where uh, he's like, sniffs the baby. He's like, oh, what is she feeding you? And I wrote in my notes, Bouncy juice. <laughs> That's what I wrote. That's what I wrote. Um, Beyonce Knowles. Beyonce Knowles, which I was surprised they put a last name here because usually they just put Beyonce and that's it. You don't need mm. any more. I've, I've always it's like she's Cher. I've always known her last name, but then when I did see it in the credits, I was like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that last name written in a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, of course, we have to talk about our psycho bitch. Mm-hmm. What's her actress's name? It's Ali, I think. Yeah, Ali. Yeah. I- I'm forgetting her last name off, of, off the top yeah, of my head. I think it's here. like Ali Verte or something. It's like V-E something. I know her from several things, but when I watched this, I didn't realize that was her. Mm. I think that's one of the unfortunate things about being an actress in Hollywood. You you have to meet this certain conventional look, and she does meet the I'm a blonde white woman look, and they're indistinguishable from one another. I'm not saying that her acting talent doesn't shine through, but sometimes you remember people by visual things. Mm. And I unfortunately didn't remember her. She's in the TV show Heroes. She's my least favorite character from that show, but that's not the acting's fault. The writing for her is just right. sur- uh, surreal, I guess. But you would know her from pop culture. She makes a huge pop culture uh, mark. She's in uh, Varsity Blues, and she has one of the most famous scenes in, I would say, this century's pop culture, Like, which is she's uh, in that scene where she's naked, and she has the whipped cream on her tits with the cherries on there and, and the whipped cream on her vag. I, I, um, that's I, famous. Yeah, that's... I, I haven't seen it, but when I was reading up about who this actress was, I did read that that's one of the things she's known for. But you, have you not seen that rippled in I'm pop sure, culture? I'm that's sure been I made have. fun of a, a bunch of times. I'm pretty, yeah, well, when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've... I think I remember that. Yeah, example. I remember it was really, really funny in Not Another Teen Movie where Chris <laughs> Evans does it because Chris Evans tried to do comedy early in his career and then right. they stopped letting him do it because they realized he was a pretty boy, mm-hmm. which is upsetting because he's really funny um, because he's my favorite in Scott Pilgrim. Ali Lata. <laughs> Ali Lata. I was wrong completely, but yeah. Um, yeah, he does it in Not Another Teen Movie. He has the whipped cream on his pecs and he has it on his dick, but there's like a banana like on a Sunday, <laughs> and all of that. And he turns around, it's like on his ass too, and the banana's like on the other side, like it's gone through him. Was was that film uh, before or after Sorority Boys and the suds on the dick? Uh, I think it was around the same time, actually. Okay. So this movie has quite a good cast of people. I mean... Even down to Jerry O'Connell from Kangaroo Jack, but also I want to give a shout out to the the boss, Bruce McGill. He's a great character actor. I think this is a, maybe the first time we've had him appear in something on the show, which is a surprise to me. He's the boss with the goatee and mm. all of that. He always has that look about him. Like he always just plays the, that guy. Like he's usually a boss or a cop or a military guy. And he's always just one of those guys that you see him and you don't recognize, like you never think, oh, it's that guy again. You just know, you just know that you, he's like, oh, he's back on a level. Like in your brain, deep down in your brain, you go, 
oh, it's gonna he, he's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. He's in this. Bruce so, McGill's in this. So in conclusion, this film has a notable cast. It does. Uh, but one of the, like I said, this is a notable cast in retrospect. Yeah, definitely. At the time, the biggest name in this Beyonce. Definitely, yeah. And Ali, probably, because she had done a few notable things in American film and TV. Idris, pff, not at all. Mm. Not enough, at least. He was more British. Here's a fun thing, Bartek. I don't know if you uh, had a look online at what people thought of this. I mean, I'm sure you did, but uh, yeah, I, YouTube and IMDb. Uh, did you did you did you find out if Roger Ebert had anything to say? Roger Ebert did not have a review for this. I know he never does for Screen Gems. I think he's a hack. But I had a he look had around. A, he had a review for the writer of this film's last film before this, which was Lakeview Terrace. <sighs> Oh, it all adds up now. One of the trivia points mentioned that they were considering a uh, a racial focus on the fact that, you know, it's white girl, black couple, but they didn't want to repeat mm. that writer's last film, which was, yeah. Like Terrace, Terrace, which was covered on the show, on a spooky one, too. Yeah, like all, pretty much exactly two years ago, probably. Wow. So, um, yeah, this film's got a lot going on, but I, I was mentioning this because... I was reading up on a couple of reviews. I even listened to a couple of reviews of this movie to kind of get the sense of what it was felt like at the time. Okay, yeah, I'm interested in this. And it's so funny that a lot of these people back then were talking about Idris Elba. They're like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's great in this. Like, I don't know Ooh. if he's going to go on to do anything. Like, they're talking about, like, in retrospect, it's funny. But, like, at, that, at the time... He was just this guy. And a lot of them were surprised to find out he was British. Like, they were like, when we looked it up, we found out he was British, and it, we were just shocked. We yeah. were just shocked that he was British. And I'm... For me, I'm not shocked, because I've always seen him in his more British roles, like Luther and Rock and Roller and a few other things. And it always throws me off when he's doing an American accent. Yeah. Like, I know that he's British, and I can hear the little British twangs, but... For Americans, apparently, it, it passes through. I, I know for me, I, I'd heard that he was British and I knew that. But when watching and hearing him with the American accent, I'm like, this guy is British, right? <laughs> but then I thought, like, oh, this is, must be one of those cases where the British one's doing an American accent. Yeah, it was it was shocking. So, Bartek, we've talked uh, quite a bit, but how about, just for the people who aren't as familiar with this movie, how about you break down the plot a little bit more? Mm -hmm. give, give us an idea of this this dark, sexy world. Yeah, well, like you said, this film's a lot more simple than something like When the Bow Breaks. The general, general plot is, you know, Idris Elba and Beyonce are a married couple in this world. They're uh, Derek and Sharon. I yeah, believe. that's correct. Derek and Sharon, they're a married couple. They're pretty happy with each other. They have a, a child. Mm -hmm. um, Kyle. Kyle. And... Um, yeah, Derek is an, is a higher up at his company. Vice president. Vice president, very high up. Um, and he's got this new temp, which, uh, you know, I, I guess agency hired secretary who's yeah. going to be around for a while, played by Ali Lata. Her name is Lisa in the film. Lisa Sheridan, yeah. Lisa Sheridan. Um, and for the first act, they kind of have this like little flirty back and forth, but there are some like um, implications that she's into him. Um, mm. in a way that's treated as a bit sinister. Um, so first half, there's some, you know, generally sort of lighthearted, but with these sinister tones. Eventually, there is a turning point mm -hmm. where he realizes, you know, she's crazy, she's coming on to me. Um, and he has a whole conflict about, 
who to confide in, which the big thing there is he doesn't confide in his wife about it. Yeah, he chooses Jerry O'Connell again and again. <laughs> yeah. Um, his best friend is Jerry O'Connell in the office. Um, and eventually it just comes to a point where, you know, the truth is... Re- well, not the truth, but elements of the truth are revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it leads to a bunch of conclusions uh, being made. Um, and the film's third act is just the aftermath of those conclusions. Exactly. It's a, it's a culmination of everything, like an, a third act should be. Yeah. Great breakdown. Now, there was something in there that I, I found interesting that you said, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it may just be like just, you know, simple breezing, but I, w- I want to ask you this. Yes. The, 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 let's say the first act is their, 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 you know, interactions with one another, the secretary and the boss, you know, mm-hmm. Idris and Ali. You said that there was light flirting between the both of them. Yeah, I probably... I, I just meant that the tone of the film wasn't too dark at oh, that yes. point. Oh, yes. Okay, so the tone. Yeah. Because I was like... I wanted to say, I honestly didn't think he was flirting with her even in any way. I think he was just genuinely being a nice guy. Yeah. I think maybe you could argue that he was flirtatious on a level because Idris Elba is so incredibly sexy mm. that you can't help but think if he's being nice to anyone, it's because he's sexy yeah. and that means flirty. I don't know. I was really surprised that they let him have his own tattoos in this movie because usually in movies they cover up his tattoos. Like, he has a lot of tattoos, as do most actors. Like, Tom Hardy usually has a lot of tattoos. He has tattoos, but they usually cover them up. I was a bit surprised considering I wouldn't think his character would have tattoos. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how sometimes you, you see a thing and a real-life actor has tattoos and they include it and you just go, I didn't think that that, that character would have these tattoos, if any. Mm. But, uh, you know, as we learn more about his character, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he would. Because his character's a little rough around the edges. He's a he's not like he's a nice guy, but he has a bit of a tarnished reputation in the past mm. that does come to bite him in the ass in the story because he had a reputation for being that flirtatious male boss with the secretaries. You know, Beyonce was one of his secretaries mm. in the past. So this type of behavior that he will get trapped in. In this movie, has already been built up by what he was like in the past, but he hasn't actually done anything in this actual he story really to deserve anything. The only thing that I think he gets called out on that I was like, oh, that's actually true, was he did lie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he withheld the truth and lied. Yeah, he, he. but when we say that, it's not like he, he did this grotesque lie that you can never understand why he would do this. and The withholding the truth and the lying is mostly centred around the fact that there is a situation going on, not that he's done something oh, super unfortunate. Also, guys, we need a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he doesn't do something, like we, we don't have a movie. <laughs> I've seen so many comments about about that too. It's like, why doesn't he say anything? Because we need a movie, guys. But also, it makes sense for his uh for his character as as well. So Bartek, yeah, let's let's re-edit the film. Get out of my car, okay? Never see her again. No, no, no. Get out of my car. No, no, no. It, not even that. It's she drops the drops the folders in the elevator, and he just slams like the emergency. <laughs> the emergency stop, and he just slams her against the wall. It's like, don't you do this to me? I'm a family man. <laughs> and then that's the end of the credits. Or, or he picks them up and uh, you know throws them out the window. They fly. It's like go chase them, and she spends the rest of the, her life chasing the paper in the window. I I would love if that was it. No, no, he points a laser dot at the wall and she jumps at the wall <laughs> and knocks herself out. Um, 
Yeah, this is this is something that we obviously we usually ask us a bit earlier, but we've been jumping into things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like we both have not seen this movie before, having to do it for the show. No, I have not. Had you had heard of it before? Maybe in passing, but definitely not to any extent where someone's like, "Hey, you heard of Obsessed?" Mm. Now I have obviously heard of it before. After doing, even before doing When the Bower Breaks, it seems like the obvious thing of, oh, you found out after When the Bower Breaks because you like screen gems and that kind of universe. No, I knew before because I like Idris Elba. And I'm always that kind of guy who likes to learn about actors and look at their filmographies and, and their trivia and bios and stuff and kind of get an understanding of a few things. And I wanted to kind of know what his career was like because Idris Elba... For me, honestly, he just kind of... Sometimes with actors, we take for granted that they have this catalogue of work that helped build them up. Because sometimes, with people like Idris Elba, for me, and I imagine for a lot of people, it's kind of like he came out fully formed. Mm. And he's just there, and we all just went, oh yeah, we all love Idris Elba. But where did he come from? Like, that's the thing. A lot of people don't even know. They're just like, I just like him. He's always been there. And it's like, yeah, but what did you know? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he built his career over a long period of time. Yeah, for, for all of you that are out there saying he's always been there or something along those lines, just do keep in mind, and Ryan stressed this, this was when he was relatively unknown. And I just want to... It's a context worth exploring. I just want to point this out. Within After this film, I would say within the next four years after this, people were campaigning for him to be James Bond. And they still are now. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? That in the span of four years, give or take, after this movie, people knew him enough to want him to be one of the most iconic characters of all time. Mm. It's so fascinating to me because, yeah, I've always wondered where did he come from because he's always just kind of, like a few actors, he just appears and you just go, oh yeah, and everyone, you're like, I like this guy. And then someone else is like, oh yeah, Idris Elba's great. He's always been great. And just like, and you go, yeah, he has. And you're just like, don't even stop to think, when did I find this out in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know what I did. I, like I say, I saw him in Rock and Roller, but I already saw him in that. And I just went, ah, this is just Elba. I already knew it was him. So I was like, uh, like, <laughs> I think it was Prometheus for a lot of people. He's in the film Prometheus as the black mm. guy, the captain of the ship. It, when I was looking <laughs> up his filmography just to make sure of everything I've seen him in, there were only, like, three films, and there were, like, three in a row. Prometheus yeah. was one of them, but all three of them, I was like, oh, I don't really remember Idris Elba all that What were much. the other two? Um, Pacific Rim and... Oh, he's the, yeah, he's the general. And there's another film, and it's, like, literally in, like, three oh, he, in a row. He, yeah, yeah, he did a, a good amount of films in a row that yeah, were but, all great. But, but all of them were films that, like, I wasn't really too into, and I, I don't agree. Really Those films much. aren't ones I'm into very much. Like, I, I don't remember... I didn't remember him in Prometheus as much, mm. but until later on, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the captain. And then I do remember him in Pacific Rim because he was the only character I liked in that movie. He was the the general, the, the guy in charge of everything. And he has, like, a great moment in which uh, I love when this happens when actors forget their lines mm. and they come up with something on the spot. Like, one of the best ones is Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter. He forgot his lines when um, Goyle is, like, Harry Potter using the potion and he's oh, pretending right, to be yeah. Goyle. And he's wearing the glasses and Draco forgot his lines and he gave one of the best lines in all of the movies, which is just, like, why are you wearing those glasses? I didn't even... He's like, I need them for reading. 
I didn't know you could read. I remember that. Yeah. That's an improvised line because he I just literally forgot his line and just came up with that. And then he did that face afterwards where he just goes, yeah, that was a good line because he's a kid. <laughs> he thought his he, he, facial reaction was, yeah, that was yeah. good. And everyone loves that. But Idris has that in Pacific Rib where the main character who's boring white guy touches him and he's just like, all right, let me get some things straight. I'm going to list a few rules for you. Rule number one, don't touch me. Rule number two, don't touch me. And it's just like, it's just so great because it's, it's like a lot of people love that moment. And it's just like, that's an improvised moment. He kind of just forgot mm. and just wanted to reiterate the first. I guess that's what we do as actors. Sometimes you forget, you just say the line again and then you kind of get it. Yeah. But um, yeah, Idris is great, man. And he's fantastic in this movie. I kept shouting to the screen. Leave Idris alone, crazy woman, because you really do feel sorry for him in this movie. And I think that's mm. because of the acting and the direction. Because the script, it's good, but it leaves it up for the acting and the direction to... To, to shape it. To shape to, it, to mould yeah. it. To give it the heart it needs. To give it that soul. Mm, heart and soul. Heart and souls with Robert Downey Jr., great film. Rhythm and Beats <laughs> with Beyonce. But yeah, I, I heard of this, and uh, I saw it and went, ooh, Beyonce and Idris Elba? How come no one's talking about this? Bouncy Idris. Bouncy. Oh, there he is, Jerry O'Connell. There he is. Let's a... give it up for him. He's got this, a... is, this isn't a first scene. In the I know, but let's give it up for him, because we've been talking a lot. Let's give it up. He's wearing a pager. Throughout the whole movie, he's got a pager on his belt. It's 2009. He's wearing, he's wearing a funky haircut. Wearing a funky haircut. He's such a Rain Wilson character. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the shaking and everything. Look at him. He's, he's just such... I love this type of character. Yeah. I I wish that, you know, as an actor, I could play this kind of character more often because I don't get to ever... I'm not the type of guy that would. Our friend Luke, who was in our episode, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, he's and the Lake type View of... Terrace. And Lakeview Terrace. He would play this character so well. <laughs> the the, the uh, slightly dorky loser uh, character with so much, like... Um, confidence in themselves that's unearned that's mm. that's our friend luke he would do that so well but uh bartek yes this movie is an erotic thriller did it erotically thrill you it definitely thrilled me and there was definitely some uh some erotic feelings in me what was the hottest scene for you I mean, you know, it was it was relatively cold night. I knew so, you were yeah. going to do that. <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, oh, you know, when they were near the pool, because it must have been pretty hot for them to want to go near the pool. I was waiting for you to do that kind of thing. Um, what was the most arousing scene in the movie? The most erotic, you would say? Look, I, I, I was half joking there. Like, I was really, really engrossed in the film and the drama that was unfolding. Um... I, I, I think that this film is really, really worth checking out for everyone who's into psychology. Yeah. It, it's a film where they don't outright say what's going on with Ali Lata's character, Lisa. Yeah, we don't get a backstory. We don't get the, you know, the psychiatrist from the end of Psycho coming in and being like, well, you see, mother is him. <laughs> You've seen Psycho, right? Yes, I have. You remember that at the end of Psycho when... Did he literally say mother is him? Though? Yeah, like he is now a mother. Right. Mother yeah. is now him. Because that's what happens yeah, at the end of Psycho. Right, yeah, yeah. He becomes mother. Mm. 
Um, yeah, Spoiler it, alert for a 50-year-old film. Yeah, Mother is Him. Uh, yeah, you could almost interpret it as, you know, she's had a his- she could have had a history of doing this, or this could just be, like, the time that she this first happened to her. Imagine. Or she could just be on a period and she's crazy. For many months. <laughs> oh, she, she, dude, dude. Here's the thing, though. We don't see her consistently for four months in a row. We see her at one period of time in each month. Mm. Genuinely, that's what happens in this movie. So you could make an argument she's just on a period and she's crazy. The, the film does mention at one point that three months have passed, which is, I'd say that's like the transition from like act two to act three. Oh, yeah. Um, But at the point where Ali Larcher's character you know, starts working in the office, and then when she leaves the office, I think they only mention that, like, two weeks have passed? Yeah, it's only two weeks, because it's um up to the Christmas break. Then mm. she quits after the Christmas party, and he doesn't hear from her for a few days, and then New Year's, he hears from her New Year's. Yeah. So he genuinely would have only known her for two weeks. Yeah. And then she disappears for three months, appears on his birthday, which means his birthday's in um March? Yeah, I, I must... Maybe I was thrown off by the fact that I didn't, like, see any snow or anything like that, and I just thought, like, oh... Maybe because they're in a city that doesn't have any. Yeah, probably. I'm not good with American locations. I don't know where this is set. You could tell me it's set mm. in any city, and I'll believe you. If you said, oh, yeah, this is Chicago, I'll believe you. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah, didn't you see the Just Visiting characters in the background? Yeah, I'd love her. <laughs> She's actually Christine Applegate. <laughs> um, no, I found, to actually answer the question, I found the most erotic scene in the movie, the one in the car park. Right, yeah, where you where she you actually see her in like the bikini and stuff. Bikini? Was it a bikini? Sorry, what lingerie. Was it? Lingerie. <laughs> a bikini. It was really dark. So I can <laughs> see. No, it wasn't. It was so well lit. Was it? <laughs> you think that she rocked up to the office car park in a trench coat in the office car park? In a bikini, not 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 the scene, not the scene in which she's near poolside. <laughs> that would be the one where she would rock up in a bikini. This movie has the opportunity where she could wear a bikini, but they don't give it to us. They give her in full lingerie. I think it just aroused. I think it was the most erotic scene for me because it was just surprising. Like I knew she was in church, I knew it was going to happen, but the way she just did it, she's just like bam, and you don't get enough time to register everything that's happening. You feel like Idris. You're just like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah, maybe I just didn't register everything though yeah you didn't you saw her in a bikini she was probably wearing sunscreen on her nose she probably had like a big hat in your in your i imagine you i could have sworn it was dark in that scene though you, you had the bikini cut, <laughs> bikini cut. <laughs> i watched it on netflix so that would be it then oh bro this is on netflix yeah oh fuck a duck i should have watched it on netflix i just have a nice copy of it myself what an idiot maybe netflix gives you the darker cut like the bigger blacker cut (laughs) so bartek yes what was the scariest scene for you in this erotic thriller you know thrillers have scary things in there what what scared um some of the home invasion scenes were shot in you know very tense ways Mm. almost open for jump scares not quite Jump scares, but... How good was it that this film refrained from using jump scares? Mm. Mm. I mean, definitely for Sharon, Beyonce's character, 
there probably were jump scares, but for, mm. for us, the audience, not so much. Yeah, it wasn't like, fuck you, audience, we fucking hate you. Ali Lata's scaring you. Ooh, she's wearing a dress. Ooh. <laughs> wasn't it a bikini? <laughs> no, she was wearing his shirt, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm just talking about in the movie in general. Mm. It's not like they're like, oh, look, a dress. Well, you know, Idris Elba's so tall that his shirt, you know, could act as a dress for a short enough person. Yes. But she isn't he, short, so yeah. Is he? How tall is he? Well, I think I read online that Ali Lata's just a bit smaller than me, so he'd be, you know, just a tiny yeah, bit taller. Yeah, she's like five foot six, right? I think it said 5'8". 5'8", 5'8", okay. So, you know, I'd be between the two of them. Yeah, Idris is probably, like, six foot. I think it said... I can't remember the feet and thing, but I think I read 190 centimetres. Oh, okay. That's good, like, 12 over me. He's nearly my height, yeah. Cool. Hey, Idris, shout out. Yeah, Ryan's taller than you, shorty. I look down on you, Idji. (laughs) Um, no... I found the scariest scene in the movie to be the really surprising rape scene that comes in. Yeah, and they don't really... Oh, it's unnecessary. Mm. We can say it, Bartek. Even though this is an appreciated masterpiece, that sex, that rape scene yeah, is I... the most unnecessary rape scene we've had in all of the show that we've done. Like, we've had three movies with rape in them now. I think mm. this is the third. There may be another I'm forgetting, but, like, Observe and Report played mm-hmm. it for comedy. Yeah. Uh, it, and it was one of those ones where, like, is it rape? Is it not? Uh, you know, there's consent there. It was a bit more like, it's a comedy. Did Wolf Creek 2 have a rape? No, I think he just murders people. Yeah. Oh, he wanted to rape uh, the main guy, I think, but he didn't. I think he's just a sex pervert, but... Yeah. uh. Uh, not van- a rapist just a vampires kiss again where we didn't see it and it's kind of maybe implied that it's not mm. we talk about that in great detail in the vampires kiss episode but this is the one where we actually get to see it as mm. this vile thing and it happens to a guy in this one yeah so but yeah and the reason why it's unnecessary is because nothing really comes of it yeah it never gets brought up like he genuinely doesn't believe that they ever had sex so it's only for her benefit which I guess is the point obviously but it's not like it's played for any psychological games I actually thought this I don't know if you thought this but I I, I 100% thought this when they said three months have passed Mm. I went oh oh pregnancy she's gonna come back and she's got like a little preggy belly or something or or when she spoiler dies they'll have a thing at the end where she's like she had a kid and then they'll and then it'll be like Idris and her look at Idris and Beyonce look at each other and then dong 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 Kind of thing, but no. I'm surprised I didn't think of that. No, it never happened. Uh, I think that's my one weakness with this, but it's also a strength. Was it was an unnecessary rape sequence in this movie because she date rapes him, hmm. and we get it from his perspective too, which is always full on. And since he's a guy, there is that you know conception of oh, it's not really as bad, blah blah blah. Hmm. But it's still very bad, guys. Okay, it's it's bad, but I think it works too. Because this movie, out of all the ones we've done this month, and probably most of the spooky months we've done, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna generalize. I'll say just most made me the most tense. This movie made me tense watching it. I genuinely was worried for Idris and his and his wife and kid. I was genuinely scared of her. Mm. And and the rape was one of the things that did that. Because this movie, for all you can criticise it for, it didn't puss out. Like, it, it said, this woman's fucking crazy. 
She's going to fuck everything up. She's going to fucking hurt him and do what she wants. And if, I feel like on a level, even though the rape scene does kind of become unnecessary because they never bring it up again. It also would be like something where you watched it and you would say to yourself if it wasn't there. Why isn't it there? Because you go, this character would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I commend the film on that aspect of actually having him there. I just wish that they... I don't need her to be pregnant at the end or anything like that. I just wish they kind of had a through line with it. Uh, something... I was... Yeah, I was definitely always thinking about it. Like, okay, that happened. And, you know, that's mm. definitely a big deal. Um, you don't have to make the whole film about it, but can someone, like, mention it? I thought it was going to be a plot point in some regard. Like, I thought she was going to send the wife, like, a, a videotape. Like, maybe she taped it and mm. made it look like they had sex to back up her claim. Well, yeah, and she definitely, you know, sent photos of herself at one point through email to him. Non-risque photos as well, Maya. They were mm. just, like, her smiling. Yeah. And I just thought that was really great. I like that. I like usually this. in other movies, it's usually really sexy and creepy, and it's like... You would look bad in any light if this was on you, but that one was like she's smiling, like I'm having a happy new year, and you're like, that's innocent. And he didn't, and he closed because it opened a bunch of them, but he didn't quite close them that quickly. No, because he wasn't too sure. He was reacting. He was like, oh my god, what? No, and then he was click click. But also, I think he didn't go click 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 because his wife was walking towards him, and that's sus, Mm. dude. That's sus. If 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 you're in a relationship and you're partner's walking over and you're sweating near the computer and you're just going click 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 and you're just like oh that's not gonna look good for you you just have to do it calm man click click and just hope that time's on your side yeah you see this this film's a period piece because if he was using like windows 7 or something he could have clicked like the bottom right corner of the screen to close or like minimize everything he was using xp man (laughs) Mm, good operating system but it was a great operating system it's probably one of my favorites but not for minimizing everything at the same time with one click no he couldn't even get like a task manager up to help him he was just fucked Mm. I yeah, this movie has a lot of uh, twists and turns. The rape thing is obviously a big thing that is probably the most glaring problem in the movie. Because I think in the this sense that it pretty... was a small thing, yeah, yeah, since it was so throwaway. But it's such a heavy thing to just drop into a movie and not do anything with. Like, mm. you know, like in our previous endeavors on this show we've had rape things come up but they've been handled in different ways probably you know like we said in our vampires kiss episode that that one's probably i think that's the best best use of the rape scene in a movie because you don't actually see it and it's kind of implied and you you don't know if it actually happened or if it didn't happen and that kind of thing but but either way what we literally see for the conclusion is you know a straight what was the phrase you used straight through line line. a through line from that rape. yeah it's he he performs an act that could be considered rape or whatever at least the character that had it happen to them believed it to be and then the character that allegedly did it gets a consequence Mm. of some sort because it affected the other character in Observe and Report, it's played for comedy, and it's more of a consensual thing. Yeah, to in, the point where in that episode, I actually didn't realize it was rape until we were doing the episode. Yeah, it was just because inebriation, yeah. uh, intoxication, and he wasn't and she was, but uh, that character... But that was played for comedy. Mm. 
And I think it worked pretty well for the comedic beat it was. Uh, obviously, that film was very dark in tone as well, so I think it didn't match the dark comedy tone. Mm-hmm. But this movie is dark in tone. I mean, look how well lit this scene is that Bartek thought was really dark. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I guess maybe it's because I was looking at um, her uh, panties there and there was a lot of, like, black, big and black. I guess I just thought uh, that see, was See, I did the exact same, but I got distracted by the huge pink in the middle and I'm like whoa yeah I guess because that was so quick I'm like wait was that her was she wearing anything there or was she yeah now a, that I get another look and it's know a, it's coming yeah. it's a great scene guys I'm really enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah you know I think that's the one problem that probably makes this film unappreciated is maybe people uh, don't like an unresolved rape plot because oh. once you put it there it's there, and you need to do something with it. I guess I'll say this, though. If for some reason you were distracted by something else while that scene was going on and you somehow missed it, you wouldn't really know it was there. It is a you-could-cut-this-scene. Yeah. But like I said, it would feel missing as well. Like You, you would say to yourself, why Why didn't she take this any further? Like In that point in the story, you're like, why hasn't she you know, driven the tension up more? You, you'd just go from... Her being upset... It's something she would do. It would be something she would do. It would just and, be like, yeah. you know, her being like, I want to fuck you. Then to her killing herself. Like, that's what yeah. the through line would be yeah, if you the, removed yeah, that, the, the problem, that scene. The problem isn't that that scene is there. The problem, because, you know, it's something that she would do. It's the scenes that aren't there are what would Idris do as a result of exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. But, um... Other than that, the film's pretty perfect. It's a it's a masterpiece. I, I think oh, that's yeah. the thing that drags it down to unappreciated. I think that and just the selfishness of people at the time didn't realise the potential of the actors involved. I mean, mm. like I said, I listened to a review and they were making fun of Idris's name. They were just like, Idris, Idris Elba. Yeah. They were making fun of his name. They're like, Idris Elba, I don't know. And they nicknamed him Isla Nublar, which is the name of the island where the dinosaurs are in Jurassic Park. Okay. But then I've listened... These are reviews that I listen to now, and they recently had a video, like, a few months back campaigning for him to be (laughs) James Bond, Mm. which I want him to be, but I genuinely don't know if it's going to happen in time because he's, like, in his mid-40s. Yeah, and Daniel Craig needs a few more movies. He genuinely is going to do one or two more movies. And here's the thing. I, I, I don't think anyone should be mad at Daniel Craig for wanting to do more because, hey... He's pretty great. Don't blame Daniel Craig for wanting to do more. If he's great at it... Wait, isn't, isn't Daniel Craig the one that doesn't want to do more? No, he keeps saying, I'm retired, but then he goes, now nah, I want to do another one. It's like when Hideo Kojima like, kept saying, since Metal Gear Solid 2, every single one's his last game. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like that. Like uh, He keeps coming back because he's actually like, you know what? No, no, I, I, I actually do want to do more. Like, if Daniel Craig... Daniel Craig's a great Bond, right? Don't get... I hate people who get upset at him because they think the actor has so much control over everything in a Hollywood production. No. Get angry at the studios and blah, blah, blah. It's like, Daniel Craig, he's a good Bond. If he wants to do more, let him. Because if we want, we want to, if, if he's good at it, let him do it. But of course mm. we want Idris because he's a great actor too. It'll be interesting to have a black Bond. But I'm worried that... By the time that they actually get around to not having Daniel Craig, he'll be like 50 years old and then he might be too old for Bond because usually Bond's like a 30-something-year-old guy, right? 
I've I've seen I can't remember who, but there were, I've seen a couple of interviews where people were interviewing John Oliver and asking, "Would you ever be James Bond?" <laughs> he would be fucking Q. You <laughs> <laughs> would be fucking Q. Yeah. Hello, it's me, Q. Yeah, no, like Idris would be great as well. I think he could even do it at fifty because he's just such a great actor and handsome guy, and he's so, you know, and it's also interesting. What do you know of, like, you've seen a couple of his movies and you know of him, but what would you characterize him as as an actor? Like, what type of movies or kind of roles do you associate with Idris Elba? I, I suppose from, you know, the basest level, um, in terms of a class of person he'd play, I would imagine him in higher class roles. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was, like, in Molly's Game a year ago, which was, like, an Academy kind of prestige movie. Mm. For me, I always saw him for a long time, and I think this is just perpetuated by the fact people want him as Bond. And this happens with Dwayne The Rock Johnson as well, an action star. But really, you look at his catalogue, no, mm. not really. And that could be an argument used in the camp of people who don't want to be Bond because they're like, he's not even in action movies. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But was Daniel Craig? I mean, he was actually. He was in Tomb Raider. Daniel Craig. All right. <laughs> he was the boy. He was the boy in Tomb Raider 1, the man that she's after. All right. Fun fact. He does a terrible American accent in that. He's like, hello. Because <laughs> he's very British, Daniel he Craig. Is, yeah. But, um, you know, Idris, I was thought of him as an action guy because he's a very muscular guy. He's got this gruffness about him, this cockiness. He's done a few action things here and there, but I wouldn't define him as that. I think he's a, he's a high-class actor, but probably crime. He's, he's a detective. He's always a cop or something. Like, I know him. his best character is John Luther in the TV show Luther, and he's a detective. I think he does good crime things, crime genre, whether he's a criminal or the... Or the police. That's what I think of him. There was a film, I wish, oh, you should probably do it for the show, called Bastille Day, mm-hmm. in which it's like one of those, like, you know how there's those Mark Wahlberg action movies every year that's just like something or other? Yeah. It's like that, but with Idris Elba on Bastille Day in France. And I, I think we should probably cover it one day. I like to see Idris Elba in a buddy film. Yeah. He does do comedy pretty well, too. <laughs> He's a funny guy. I'd love just... I mean, you know, you, you, and villains. He's a villainous actor. He plays villains a lot. I mean, he was Shere Khan in the Jungle Book remake that they mm. did, and everyone loved him as that, as they rightfully should. He was well, in Star he, Trek Beyond as well, a and bad guy. And that's another thing. Like, he's known for his voice, right? Oh, yeah. That sexy voice. Ah, oh, let's not forget. He's in the Thor movies. He's in all the Thor movies. Ah, Thor 2. That's the other film I've yeah, seen. Yeah, he's, he's the guy in charge of the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah, th- those three films are like right next to each other in his filmography and I've seen them but I don't really remember Yeah, them. don't forget it just is in the MCU guys. <laughs> he's he's in Infinity War. Not oh, I for thought, long. I thought the email scene was much earlier in the film. No, 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 no. It's happening right now, but yeah. the legendary email scene in which he has to close multiple open tabs. And it's and is this also the same scene as the other email? Or is that later? That's later, man. The yeah. email where he reacts to a smiley face. <laughs> the scariest of all things. A winky face as well. An animated it winked, smiley face. It winked very slowly. Like, he reacted... Uh, that's probably my favourite shot in the movie, by the way, is when he's uh, reacting to a smiley face. Because <laughs> it's shot like a horror movie. And he's intense. He's just like... Argh! 
and I'm just like, yay, this is what I want from my Screen Gems movie, a man reacting to a smiley face. Idris Elba. Think about that. That proves how we know acting. Mm-hmm. We've done it. We've been a part of it. You ha- It is as silly as that. Like, Idris, you have to react. Wait, isn't this it? Yeah, this is it. So it wasn't much later. Uh, Idris, you have to react fucking terrified of a smiley face. It sounds like such a fucking stupid thing, but he delivers it. Like, let's look at this. The camera zooms in on the smiley face and look at him. You can hear the strings of the violin playing, even though we have it on silent. We just do. Oh yeah, and then he like leans a bit <gasps> and away, and it winks, and he's just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he's still leaning." Like realistically, only like the lower eyelid winks too. So I'm trying to do it. It's so difficult. I guess I have to be have some paralysis. Yeah, and you have to do it without affecting your smile at all. Oh yeah, you have to smile. Do I'm doing it without a smile? That's the harder <laughs> part. It's actually harder. With yeah, the and smile. it has to be the exact same smile as when your eyes are open. So you know the cheekbone, the cheek skin. But uh, yeah, this is a, a great sequence here. So Bartek, mm-hmm. going in blind, what did you think this movie was going to entail? Well, I only really knew that um, this was our yearly at least one uh, erotic thriller. Oh, we. We always, yeah, we always have an erotic thriller. Yeah, we always have at least one. Last yeah. year we had Unforgettable and When the Bow Breaks. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of two. Um, so really, I was just expecting something that has similar themes and tones to When the Bow Breaks, but obviously it's a bit older, um, so maybe not as complicated as When the Bow Breaks. And like yeah. we've said, um, this is this has a refreshingly simple take on an erotic thriller. Yeah, because sometimes, like, in, it's a good and a negative, a positive and negative of being simple and complicated because sometimes you get too complicated with what is a simple premise. Mm. You kind of water down everything and it just comes too many ideas. But if you're too simple, it's kind of too boring, too predictable. But I think this meets the right amount of simplicity because sometimes the simplest films are the best. I mean, everyone remembers Mad Max Fury Road. Everyone sucked that movie's dick so hard, and one of the reasons it was sucked so hard was it was refreshingly simple for a mainstream blockbuster movie, which is so funny to say, because most people think blockbuster movies are these simple popcorn movies that don't really have a plot. But now we live in an age where we have superhero Marvel cinematic universes in which you have to be, you know, you have to read the footnotes before you even go in or understand Mm. everyone's dynamics and... Da, da, da. You have to you understand can't, why. You can't leave before the credits are over because you need to get the foreshadowing of the next thing. Yeah, the foreshadowing stingers. And not just saying the Marvel movies, every movie, you have to. All these blockbusters are so complicated now that when Mad Max came out, everyone thought, oh, is it going to be like a cinematic universe? But it was its own thing. And it was just a simple story about a man being stuck in a truck with women driving from one location, turning around, and going back. Yep. I've only seen the first Mad Max, and I was totally fine with it. Even without having seen the first Mad Max, I would have been fine. Oh, the first Mad Max is pretty great. Mm. <laughs> uh, Road Warrior is pretty great, too, but uh, Mad Max Fury Road is just a remake of Road Warrior, but much better. But Road Warrior is still pretty pretty fucking good. Mm. And I like Thunderdome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like that one, too. Tina Turner's great. <laughs> but, uh... She is a raggedy man. That's what she keeps calling him throughout the movie, which is great because I never look at Mel Gibson and think raggedy. (laughs) But I guess why not? 
Um, yeah, so you went in blind. You thought it was going to be a simple thing. But did you have any idea of what you were going to get plot-wise? Like, did you have any little thing in your brain where I was like, oh. I mean, obviously I was thinking of the story beats of like, oh, at the beginning uh, there won't be a problem, but it would be building. Then eventually there'll be the turning point. And, um, you know, he Beyonce's in the film, so I imagine she'd be like his um wife or something or or even or even she's maybe the femme fatale or something like that i would love it if she was the femme fatale um yeah just just the general story beats that we've come to know from these uh, erotic thrillers you know the the beginning the turning point um the me- the victim who feels like they're alone and can't turn to anyone um and then a really action packed ending and we do get those, mm-hmm. but in interesting ways. It's always about execution of things. Absolutely. And 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 here's the rape sequence. Um, it's pretty full on. Mm-hmm. They shot it very well, though. I think you know this is adds to the intensity. I think the cinematography is really done well. Yes. Good job, Steve Schill, mm-hmm. the director. Ali, Ali Lada's wearing a very nice bikini. Is this where you thought she was? <laughs> no, no, no. It was the car. <laughs> a bikini. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's I funny because it's not a bikini, it. but I mean, is that so unimaginable? She was wearing a trench coat. She was hiding. She could have been wearing anything. Yeah, but dude, dude, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, no, no, I'm saying, yeah, it is. It is. Un, yeah, I, I think it's just unfathomable that she would just rock up in the office car park in the middle of a what is a landlocked city by the look of it in a bikini, not lingerie, which she does wear, like... When you're writing a screenplay <laughs> and you have that scene, it's more clear to say lingerie than a bikini because a bikini. I probably raises... would have just gone with naked though. Well, yeah, but you have to have a PG thirteen movie. Well, yeah. Because this to is. To be fair, I didn't know what not... this film was rated. Uh, this is. I can't remember what Netflix said. This this doesn't have any nudity in it, so that's surprising. Because hmm. even um, when the bow breaks had more hints of nudity with like butt cheeks and. And, and kind of more side boobs and stuff like that. This this didn't even push that boundary. She never gets, like... Like, when they have a scene where she uh, commits suicide, tries to commit suicide, they're all like, she was naked in his bed! And I'm like, I didn't even notice yeah, that. Like, I, I thought she was just there. Like, you just see her arm, and I'm like, that's not gonna help me. She's been wearing, like, sleeveless dresses this whole movie. Like, hmm. I, I'm not gonna know. I'm not gonna know. Oh, poor Bruce McGill. He's just trying to get this... <laughs> Maybe th- I think maybe this was the most erotic scene then. Jerry O'Connell's face during it? <laughs> the whole meeting. You know what I love about this whole meeting, though? I love movies. And I love when you listen to um, the ADR dialogue that's made just for the background. Yeah. Did you hear his speech in this? Um, no, is it subtitled, though? <laughs> it probably is. But when it just comes back in, mm. it's particularly great where he's you hear him go, I'm so sorry this took so long, gentlemen. There was just so many questions. <laughs> And I wanted to get in further detail on each question, so we've run quite a bit over time, and I understand that many people of my age have a tea time. Does anyone here have a tea time? I have and this is real. I'm not joking. No, I believe you. I have a tea time that I should be getting to, so we'll start wrapping this up so we can all get to our tea time. And I'm just like What's going on, Bruce McGill? You okay, buddy? Oh man. That uh-oh, it's her. She's wearing all white because you now notice she's wearing the same kind of color outfit that he is. 
Yeah, one piece bikini. I'm waiting for one time for you to actually say what she's wearing, and that'll be like the twist. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, I'll be the idiot. Like, yeah, yeah, bikini. He's like, no, dude, she's wearing a, a jumpsuit. <laughs> whatever she wears, and whatever. She's wearing a Calvin Klein brand. Blah blah blah. She's wearing a Calvin Klein from 2008 brand of shoes. I'll, I'll make one of those uh, steal her look memes. Oh, memes. Um, yeah, I personally, I didn't really know what the plot was. I saw the poster, and I, I, I knew from the poster. You know, sometimes posters give it to you like mm. that. And you know what the the other name of this movie could be? Just from the poster. Mm-mm. And what we know of the plot, but mainly from the poster. White She-Devil. You could just name this movie White She-Devil, because she's just, you, you know, you could tell from the poster, it's like... Him and Beyonce on one side, huddling each other, looking afraid and sexy at the same time, and she's on the far, like on the opposite side, kind of like in the fore, in the background, in her heels and her sexy red dress, looking vixeny. And I'm like, oh, it's a white girl trying to break up this black couple. No, that was my reaction when I saw the poster. I went, that's what this movie's going to be about. And then she's in the elevator, and I didn't even recognize that that's the woman from the poster because she's so plain Jane when you first meet her. How surprised would you have been if um the if film it was, was about Joe O'Connell? No, if it was about a black, very nervous black couple trying to kill a very confident white woman. <laughs> <laughs> and it's set it's set during the old like the civil war times <laughs> yeah that red dress was just like you know a red cloak that's been torn up very specifically it's the blood of her slaves that's what it is <laughs> they didn't pick cotton right and they're like oh boy like i'd love that hmm. i don't know how idris hasn't worked with tarantino yet that's a surprise. I don't know how Tarantino hasn't jumped on the on the Elba drain, but he's missing out because I'd love to have seen him in like Hateful Eight as the Sam Jackson part. I mean, Sam Jackson's great. What I'm saying is Idris Elba could be the new Sam Jackson. That's that's uh, that's pretty pretty. They can do a buddy film. I would love it if they did a buddy film. I would fucking love it. <laughs> I think Idris is great. He's such a cool guy in real life, too. There's yeah, this... I remember after... Oh, sorry, go, on. go on. No, go on. Okay, I'll go on. Um, after we finished our episode on Wish Upon, uh, we were talking with Lauren, and she was very excited by the fact that we were watching a film with Idris Elba in it. Girls fucking melt their panties for Idris, and rightfully so, because mine are melting right now. I believe her reaction to that was, oh my god, in the episode mentioned that he has a foot fetish or something like that. I don't know. I haven't even found any evidence of that. I looked it up afterwards. I couldn't find any evidence. On his trivia on IMDb, it mentioned that on the Graham Norton show by... The fact that he didn't deny it means he, he does. Yeah, or something like that. Uh, he has some great Graham Norton interviews. There's one where he, he you find out he can't. He he accidentally sent out like a sext message to everyone. It was just him <laughs> like in his, with no shirt on in bed, looking like he's down to fuck, and he's just like, oh god. He sent it out on Twitter. Right. Like, oh god, <laughs> it was late. I was feeling sexy, and I'm just like, good on you, just. A real man telling it like how it is. Oh no, she's asleep in bed. I hate when ladies... Hey, you know, just even cut off that train of thought. Mm -hmm. This movie, I mentioned before, doesn't show much skin. But you know what it does show a lot of? What body part do you think it shows the most of? Idris Elba's head? (laughs) No, of her. Oh, of her. Um... Of the sexy femme fatale. 
Bartek. Her uh, neck? No, I'll give you a visual clue. Her knee. Her knee. They just kept showing. Did you notice that? Like, there's a scene when you first, like, get her in his office and she's, like, adjusting her, like, uh... Uh, uh, her pen and paper and he looks at her knee and it's like ooh and then like there's another there's so many shots where people see her knees and they're just like ooh like there's a shot where people Jerry Connell's uh, ogling her and she's in the office but like there's like glass walls and they're like fogged glass walls so all you can see is like her calves Mm. and you see her turn around it's her knees and he goes, Jerry Connell goes, boy, oh boy. Like, and it's just like, okay, I guess Ali's got hot knees and they wanted to show them off. It's it's a, it's a psychological experience from Idris Elba trying not to look further down. And that's what I thought. I was like, oh, they're going to lead up to like calves or thighs or something. No, it's all knees, bruh. He loves this movie. Lo- what I'm saying is Steve Schill, the director. Like Tarantino has a foot fetish, Steve Schill might have a knee one. He's all about the knees. Well, he had like a million directing credits, but this was all, the only film. This, Yeah, the only one? I looked through the whole thing. Everything had like the brackets, like TV, TV show, one yeah. episode, two yeah, episodes. Yeah, he's a big TV director. And then this one really stood out because it was just obsessed 2009. <laughs> yeah. I know it was his first film, but I didn't know it was his only one. Based on that scan that I did, yeah, it was the only one. Wow. Yeah, and let's bring up Beyonce. Beyonce. Because this is when she starts being a character now in the movie. Because mm. she's been very sidelined throughout the movie because she's wife character in a movie. And she very conveniently had to talk her sister down from a ledge. I hate when that happens. When my sister wants to throw herself off a ledge I mean, after look, watching Gulliver's Travels, and then okay. she becomes Alana. Point two. It's okay when it happens, but not when I'm trying to tell you about my problem. Well, exactly. I hate it when you just walk in on a conversation that's finishing up, and then you're told about that conversation like you give a shit in the first place. Like, and bitch, if I really cared. I would have been the one conversing with you in the first place. Please. And look, we get it. Like, it is a serious thing talking down from ledge if you think about it. But my problem was genuine. I mean, if the sister was really dedicated to it, she wouldn't have phoned Beyonce in the first place. <laughs> so, you know, it mustn't have been that... I didn't think that. That, yeah. that dire was just really a call. You know what it was? Her call for help was a call for help. Yeah. Or maybe it was just her equivalent of like, look, I don't want to leave a suicide now, note. You know, you know what's even better? Mm? She might have accidentally butt-dialed her. And she's like <laughs> about to jump off and then she hears Beyonce. Oh, the single ladies! And she's like, oh no! <laughs> I have to live! It's like, that's my sister singing. That's that's the other member of... Um, Destiny's Child. Destiny's yeah, sister is <laughs> the other members of Destiny's Child. Because none of them have gone on to do anything other than her, right? I think, that's I think she's the breakout one, yeah. She's the only one. She's, like, she's the Justin Timberlake. I like there's a joke with her where people ask that they're going to be a reunion with the Destiny's Child people. And she's like, who? <laughs> like she's just that powerful now I mean god if she had to get Destiny's Child she'd have to go by the fucking welfare office to pick him up I, I think I think her uh, unofficial title is Queen Bee she is called Queen Bee mm. I was watching this with my uh, fiance who um, your fiance me fiance um, she knows Beyonce like most of us do I'm not a listener to Beyonce's music I know she exists I know she does 
big songs, but you know, the really other than all the single ladies, I, I can't tell you any of her other songs. I don't know how they sound. I just know she's the queen of music. When it isn't Nicki Minaj or Madonna or, mm. or, or Cardi B or Ariana Grande or Iggy Azalea or, you know, on and on it goes. She's like the queen of music, right? I don't know any of, I, think, I don't know how any of her songs I th- sound. I think um, her genre is rhythm and beats, R&B. R&B, sure, why not? Her name's, yeah. the B stands for Beyonce now. <laughs> I know, I definitely <laughs> knew some of her songs last But it's still decade, pop. But... It's still pop. I guess. Because it's popular. She doesn't make music just for the fun of it, like fucking Beck or something. I guess She one does thing, it to fucking win all the awards I guess and one thing, be chart topper. One thing we can say, Ryan, is she sang in Goldmember. She did. And that's the way... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, he likes it. Yeah, Gold doing member. a cover. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was watching this with my fiancé, and I, I was very proud of myself. We were talking about at the end whether or not Beyoncé is going to fight the... Fight the bitch, mm. or will it be like when the bow breaks, where both of them are doing it, or one of them's incapacitated and the other does it? But it's like, no, at the end, it's just Beyonce fighting her by herself. Uh, mm. But I, my fiance was just like, I don't think it will be her. I think Idris will come in and save the day. I don't think Beyonce is actually going to be able to fight her. I don't know if she's fierce enough. And I just leaned over to her, I was like, bitch. Beyonce made lemonade. <laughs> that was my retort. And then Rachel nodded her head and went, you're right. You're right. She's got to kick this bitch's ass. Because <laughs> I don't even, I haven't even listened to Lemonade. I know it exists. And it was like the big thing that year, that album. Is that a song? No, oh, it's album. an album okay. and a song. It's like, I was taking that literally. it was the girl power <laughs> anthem album where it's like her husband cheated on her and it's her album about how i'm a strong black woman who don't need no man who was her husband was it jay-z yeah they're still together oh okay but it's like it's an album where it's like i know what you did you cheating dog and i don't like it but i'm gonna tell everyone that i'm stronger than anyone in the world because i'm queen b here's my film clip where i wear a yellow shirt and have a baseball bat because lemonade's yellow and i smashed the charts of my baseball bat that's all real, what I just said. Like, that's all real. But um, Beyonce, she's actually a good actress. I, I liked her in Austin Powers. I thought, oh, yeah. I'm really surprised. Foxy that, Cleopatra. I'm really surprised that didn't launch her into further acting careers because Austin Powers series was quite popular. I, mean, I know that she was in the first Steve Martin Pink Panther film. Yeah, which yeah. I haven't seen. But I'm really surprised that she hasn't gone on to conquer more of the acting world, but maybe music's more important. I know that there were definitely YouTube comments that were, uh, you know, of different opinions about her acting quality. Some really liked her in this. Some thought that she was not great in this. I guess it was a bit divisive, at least there. She divided audiences. The queen of music is now the queen of division in acting world. The queen bee is really more the queen of B-grade acting. (laughs) That was my reaction to that. Just... It was very civil. It was so revolutionary, that comment, that in fact we're ending the episode right now. Thanks, listening people. No, but this is a sad ending for the film because this is where they're separating oh but if we end it before they separate then they're okay (laughs) they're just ending in the middle of an argument
that's how most of life works. You're always in an <laughs> argument and you just die eventually. Yeah. That's it, man. I mean, you know, we can't all be Oscar Wilde and have a witty one-liner end quote to our life. There's this um, master post online in which it's like famous people's last l- words and more of them are just embarrassing and funny than <laughs> epic. Like, you know, Oscar Wilde had the famous, like, you know, either that wallpaper goes or I do, and then he died. Mm-hmm. Because he's so gay. <laughs> but then some of them are like, you know, I think one of them was like Edgar Allan Poe. was like really sad. He's like in the fucking gutter. And he's just like, darkness shrouds me. And it's like, okay. But then some of them are like, uh, one of them, I can't remember, some famous person is like, this won't hurt at all. It's <laughs> the last word. <laughs> you know, or one of them is just like, one of them, uh, like fell on the ground and they just went ow my face <laughs> you know <laughs> shit like that it's like their final words are just these dumb things that they're saying or weird things or sad things not always epic you my one's gonna be right did you see that yeah you'll be no yours will be like latex <laughs> <laughs> you're real <laughs> no no your last words not even latex are you real you make the dramatic music noise for your own demise <laughs> and then then my last words will be and bartek's and latex betrayal of bartek is the number one Number one anime betrayal. <laughs> and someone really disagreed with you instantly. <laughs> and then, then you are there. And you're like, oh, was it? And then I die. Because... And then I go, dun, dun, dun. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't me doing it for my death. It was for yours. And then Lartek comes in and kills you anyway. So it's full circle. Uh, Bartek's... You know what I really like? Just to break up the silliness. Oh, yeah, we have a new character. I liked her. Mm. You know what I liked about her? She wasn't your typical cop detective character that comes in to tell us the backstory of the psycho person. I'm the psychiatrist. You know, even when the bow breaks fell into that trap, even though Michael K. Williams is a great actor and he was really fun in that role, he served the purpose of bitch be crazy. In this movie, I really like the dynamic that's set up with this detective where she doesn't believe Idris from the beginning because, you know, he's a guy and all these things, blah, blah, blah. But within the conversation of watching him talking to the wife and talking to her, she just observes from his behavior Mm. and his tone and all of that, like a detective. She observes that he's telling what he believes to be the truth, Mm. at least, whether it is. But she observes and goes, actually, there might be more to this story. She doesn't just look at the evidence and say, that's it, like most detectives do in TV shows and movies. And then she goes to visit the, you know, psycho bitch. And she notices she's a psycho bitch. Like, just observing her behavior. And acknowledging the information she's been given by Idris Elba. And she determines that this woman's crazy. By just observation, not purely by evidence. And that is great. I know it sounds silly. That we're pray that I'm praising this, but honestly, th- this is so rare in uh, movies to see this, isn't it? Mm. I-, I will admit though, my first impression of her was a bit like eye rolly because, you know, she was interviewing him while his wife was there and like, you know, saying like, "Be quiet, we need to talk," and like, you know, trying to shut down like what's obviously a revelation for them and their yeah. argument. So that was kind of like my indicator of. 
oh, is, is this character just going to be kind of annoying? An or obstacle. Something? I or, thought she was going to be an obstacle Or an character. obstacle, but definitely throughout the rest of her scenes, which are a lot more subtle, mm. um, you do realise that, yeah, she is actually putting this together. Like, if you were not thinking about it as strongly in this scene, you might almost interpret this as, oh, she's believing the woman or something like that. But when you actually do break it down, she is noticing and putting things together in her head. Like a detective, she's detecting. It's so mind-boggling to me that movies just can't get that simple, subtle, nuanced thing. It's always like, it's either, and I'm, I'm so happy she doesn't have a partner, that's like, you know, in detective things like this, they always have a partner. One of them's like good cop, bad cop kind of stuff. I'm so well, glad. like a foil of some sort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad that they restrain themselves from that. They restrain themselves from that because, you know, it could have been so easy for her to be like getting in the car and going, you know what? I think there's more to this story. And then her male colleague will be like, you're crazy. Haven't you seen the evidence? This is an it's open shot case. It all stacks up. It's open and shut. Case closed. I'm taking this straight to the DA. And all that kind of stuff. She's hot. Was... He's definitely fucking her. I mean, she's white. <laughs> case closed. <laughs> like... And the cop's black, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. As an extra foil. Fun fact, it's Idris Elba <laughs> with a mustache. <laughs> Because I'm also used to Idris Elba with facial hair as well. It always throws me off when he's shaved and has an American accent. He usually has facial hair, a mustache or a goatee or a beard or something. He's got a bit of a five o'clock shadow. But But yeah, he's black, so it's hard to tell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I think it's also just because he's so masculine that he Mm. would always have that. I don't think you could ever properly get Idris fully clean shaven. Like, Mm. that's the best you're going to get. Like, people like that. I mean, I imagine you're like that. Yes, and I'm Within... so masculine, yeah. Well, you are. Yes, I know. You're very European masculine, mm-hmm. and, you know. You're, 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 you're shorter, you're, you're stout, you're, you know, broad-shouldered, hairy. Mm. You know, you got the European man brow. I'd wrestle bears if I wrestled bears. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you didn't seem like such a softy in your human nature, you look like you could play a guy that was like i tear his skull out and eat it i was the second choice for ivan drago it's weird that you were not the first choice i know dolph lundgren is so famous whatever well i must kill him whatever he hits he destroys oh it's also because he wasn't born yet awkward (laughs) i'm actually older than dolph lundgren yeah it's weird that Dolph Lundgren is your son. Yeah. <laughs> and he got the role. I'm very jealous of my son. It's weird, but we're proud that he was in Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny, Mnemon- Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Um, we, we're proud of him for that. So yeah. Thank, but, you. thank he, you, son. Th- uh, thank you, son. Uncle uh, LaTeX, he's not, he won't thank you, but... So, LaTeX is a crazy bastard, but... No. Did Bartek enjoy this beautiful montage over this, that took the span of three months? It really did add something to their relationship. This this sense that time heals all wounds. Mm. I've often got annoyed in the past when, you know, when people make fun of montages in movies, like, oh, it's such a cliche to have a montage. And I understand that thought process. I mean, arguably in the film world, there has been arguments that montage destroyed cinema. Mm. as an art form that's a genuine thing that's been discussed 
But I think a montage serves a very important function, and most movies, if not all movies, has some form of a montage, and I feel like the montage in this sequence, although cheesy, although sweet and soppy, is needed, and it's needed because of the cheesy, sweet and soppiness, because this is the point in which we've got to return to the status quo of the world, of their life, and see our character redeem himself in some fashion, but we can't do that in, in a more naturalistic time, or else this movie will be three hours long, and it'll be called Boyhood. Yeah, but, and, uh, and we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't just have, like, you know, three months later. Yeah, it wouldn't just... Yeah, I'm very glad that they didn't just have text come up saying three months later. Like, I hate when that happens in movies more, I think. Mm. But, um... If it's not done well, then, yeah. Yeah, most of the time it isn't done as well as it could be. But usually you let it go if it's, like, a bio thing. You're like, ah, fair enough. But, like... yeah. I think it's done well in this, where, you know, we're getting the time passage through a montage. It's, it's a neat device to use. I think you're a hack if you think it is a hack thing to use. Because, honestly, everyone uses it. Like, hey, the guys from South Park, they made a whole song about montages, but they do it too. Mm. So <laughs> They make fun of it, yeah. but Yeah, yeah, but they also do it as they well. Do, yeah. So They did in the episode that just came out yesterday, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm not, I didn't know that they're still on right this second. Yeah, well, they're they're doing their twenty second season. Oh, I know they're on in general. I didn't know this right now. Yeah, that was their fourth episode of the okay. season. Okay, I'm not up to date on them. I'm a bit, I'm a bit done with them at the moment. They've, you know, that's the thing about the South Park though. They they drain you for a little bit, and then you're kind of done, and then you catch up later. Mm. Or you don't, and you're just like, oh, they're still on. That's fine. <gasps> Beyonce's sexy now because she straightened her hair. Because I guess the message is curly-haired women ain't sexy, which is great. Until you put them in a bikini. Which, she's never in a bikini in this, which is awkward. Right now. No, that's a dress, buddy. Oh. I know it's quite... She's dressed, you're it's, right. It's quite a dark scene, visually. No, Ryan, there's that... a candle in the middle of the frame. <laughs> I know, but it's very dark. <laughs> in the Bartek cut that he had on Netflix, they gave him the dark cut. Well, you know, we did they gave determine the dark cut of me. We did determine in this episode that it's because she was wearing black underwear and they are wearing black clothes here. So in it fact, is dark. it's kind of awkward that all we're seeing is silhouettes on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> except the candle. Oh yeah, yeah, the candles there, but it's like it, candles are light. Fun. It's fact. weird that we're seeing a, a shadow performance on my Idris and Beyonce. Yeah, is this some? Is this a cinematic film or is this like a recording of a theater production? I would love it if it was a recording of a theater production. If I was in a theater and Idris Elba was the performer, I would, I would fucking be lavished. I want to see a theater production that's all montage. Oh well, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Uh, Bartek, was their favorite character for you? Anyone that kind of jumped out, stood out? I mean, Jerry O'Connell was pretty great. <laughs> it's hard not to say Jerry O'Connell because yeah. he is their comedy relief character, but he's not my favorite, oddly enough. He's not mine. Mm-hmm. Mine's Patrick, the gay secretary. Right, right, the secretary. I would play his character. That's I'm honest. That would be the one I would probably play. I don't play gay often, but I I, I don't care. I, I would I would play Patrick if I was in this. I I'd be the cast as Pat. I'd play Patrick. It would be fun. Well, Ryan, I believe you've told me a story in which someone told you to play it gay. Oh, to be a secretary. <laughs> yeah. When I was unemployed, I had a uh, job provider that uh, a, a, a guy who worked there. 
Um, he was telling me how hard it is being a guy in general, being a white male. It's so hard. And he was like, mm. Ryan, if you want to get into the world of admin or, or secretary work, it's very hard because you're a bloke. You're a man. So what you need to do in an interview, because they always want to hire females, you know, they always want to hire women. And if they want to hire guys, they always want to hire feminine guys. So here's my tip to you. Go in, in the interview and play it gay. You'll get hired for sure, because if they don't, it's some form of discrimination. <laughs> you know, I just was, I remember that being an advice given to me. And I think about that every time I have an interview. If I ever have an interview, I'm like, should I play this gay? Mm-hmm. He told me I should, and he's a professional advice giver for jobs. Well, what he should have told you is, is that if you have a friend or someone that you work with who's being stalked or, you know, being followed by someone creepy or sinister, you should tell that person where you're going to be. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, Ryan, if you were a gay male secretary working for Idris Helper, here's what you gotta do. Get real buddy-buddy with the temp that only worked there for two weeks, and then four months later when she phones you out of the blue and you know that she got fired for being a crazy bitch, give her all the information she wants for nothing in return. But don't notice you're doing it. Oh, don't know. And when you do notice it, just don't say anything. Because you know what they say, snitches get stitches. And we're all about the snitch code here <laughs> at Idris Elba Land. <laughs> <laughs> it's called prison code, actually. But Isla <laughs> Nubla. <laughs> Man, what a weird uh, job employer guy thing. Wow, it was very weird that he said that to me on my first day there, I know. Too. Well, you know what film he was watching? Yeah, it was weirdly enough Pacific Rim. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, I saw this movie with this guy in it. His name is uh, Idris Ilbus. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a, he's what they call a blackie. Oh, man, he would have, he's the kind of guy... Who was he the it. one that said age for Asians? Oh, yeah, this, this job provider guy, since I live in a primarily very Asian suburb, he was trying to come across as not racist by having an abbreviated term for Asian people. And, he, and he, even he was above saying, like, slant eyes or chinks or something. He was like, the age. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, it's, you know who are the hardest clients to uh, get a job for, Ryan? The age. And I'm like... <laughs> He's like, and then he leaned in real close. He's like, the Asians, the Asians, they pretend they don't speak English, Ryan, so you can't help them. I'm trying to help them, Ryan, but these dang Asians don't want it. And then, <laughs> and then a bunch of Asian people popped in. He was surprised, and they started clapping. Well, no, the best part was, um, two of the other people who worked there were Asian, who spoke frequently in different languages and i think he resented the fact that they could help people and he could not mm. and he saw that as an injustice that they were hired in the first place it's like we shouldn't need those guys to speak to him in their bloody language they're here in australia they should speak the aussie slang dog because we're not australasia <laughs> we're australia australia cunt yeah 
Um, I'm glad that that guy no longer works for a job provider and now works for an insurance company. Huzzah! <laughs> so if you need insurance, play it gay. Um, so unless you're age. Unless you're age, then speak bloody English, you dog. <laughs> I don't want no Asian fucking translators here for you. You know, you want no insurance for you. Let's get you off to Christmas Island with the other refugees and just shove you in a little box. That's um topical Australian now, content now look, there for you. Listening to you, I know that that sounds like a bad person, but really, <laughs> it's a sad story. All he wants is an Asian friend. It's weird that he's now the Prime Minister of Australia. <laughs> I haven't checked the calendar, but I'm pretty sure he is right now. We keep changing them every every month. Um, no, I love it. I love the fact that we live in a place that has a an island called Christmas Island, and that's where we put all the refugees. It's almost Christmas time. Oh ho ho ho! Um, oh no, she kidnapped the baby. This scene reminded me very much of Unforgettable, with the mansion and a blonde-haired crazy woman running through it, and mm. you know, danger of things. And um, you know, I, I was surprised that she didn't take the baby. I thought that was going to be the plot thing. Yeah, at the it was end. just it was like, a little scare. It seemed. I, but I, I'm glad that they didn't do the exact same retread of uh. uh uh, when the bow breaks, because that's kind of what happens when the bow breaks. Or, or more realistically, in when the bow breaks, they did go the route they didn't. Yeah, that's yeah. what you could say is an improved step dramatically. But I think that this handled it very easily, where Beyonce is now like, Bitch, I'm going to take this motherfucker down. She's all down to Chinatown, which my job provider don't like because he can't speak Asian. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that... You know, this was a, a fun uh, third act movie where they let Beyonce take the wheel and they're just like, Idris, mm. sit in the passenger seat. It's time for Mama to show this bitch who really is crazy. His character arc was, you know, his relationship separation and reform reformation, yes. I guess you could say. And his resolution proper was a freeze frame image of half his face. Idris, you're a gentleman. We won't have you, you know, hurt another woman. We'll have a woman do it. Yeah. We don't want you to smack a woman, Idris. That's not what James Bond would do. That's not what Sean Connery recommends that you do to women when they're out of line. Hit them. Exactly. That's not what, so that's not, that's not what James Bond would do. I mean, you know, you know, you shouldn't do that, Idris, okay? Don't hit women. Because that's not what James Bond would ever, ever do, ever, okay? It's not like James Bond kills women without a second thought. Come on, Idris, don't do it, man, okay? You're going to be James Bond one day. Wouldn't it be a plot twist? He's not actually ever going to be James Bond, but he's Q. <laughs> mm. And he's and, and James Bond is played by, you know, some actor no one likes. Who's an actor? No, a white actor no one likes. Um, Jared Leto. So, <laughs> not a second thought. Jared Leto. And he's doing it with, like, grills on his teeth. And he's doing James Bond with, like, like a, a Yorkshire accent. And he's, like, wearing platform shoes. And he's, like, he's doing this crazy performance. And he just always, like, doing this solid, grounded performance <laughs> as Q. Where he's like, oh, Mr. Bond. And then there's... There's fucking Jared Leto dressed up as Elton John. <laughs> and he keeps dropping condoms from his pockets. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's not acting. It's his real shit, life. Shit, shit. He have a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that dead cat I sent you? <laughs> Fuck. 
Did you know that when Jared uh, Leto sent a, a, a pet rat, like a, a rat in the mail to, I want to say Margot Robbie, one of them. They gave it to Guillermo del Toro, the director. Now he has it just as a pet. I think it has his own Twitter. <laughs> okay. Another fun fact was he didn't fuck with uh, uh, Viola Davis and that thing because he knew for a fact, even though he's doing all the math, he knew for a fact that she would fucking not stand for it. Like, out of everyone, Viola Davis would just fucking destroy him because she's a strong black woman who has no time for his white boy shit. Look, what I'm saying is this movie could have been really good if they cast Jared Leto as crazy white secretary woman. But he won't go all the way with method acting. He goes partway. That's the problem. He goes partway. He goes full on, but he doesn't go full on in a good way. It's like Robert De Niro is a method actor. He goes full on, but it's not like he's sending dead rats in the mail, condoms, used condoms or well, shit. Well, that's what Fearless Leader would do, though. You know, that cartoon character? <laughs> I don't know what that means still. At the, in the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. He's like the first method actor to ever play a cartoon. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how you method act a cartoon, but I'm sure he did. Uh, well, Idris is off to work now, and this is basically the end of his character. He goes to work. He picks up a phone. He realizes something's wrong, and when he gets to where the wrong thing is, it's re- the resolution's already happened. He's, he's me, Patrick, giving away all the hot goss. You know, I would only give you the goss if you bought me a drink, Bartek. That's how it works. Man, I haven't done that yet, have I? He's never bought me anything, guys. He's just bought... No, I'm kidding. He's 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 bought me grief. Here, have a case of grief. Surprisingly cheap. Yeah, and easy to get. Mm. Strong side effects, though. Oh. Like grief. <laughs> Mainly grief. If anything, just grief. Oh, I love how sassy he is. He's, like, even leaning against the filing cabinet. Or, like, the... Oh, he's, he's arm of his chair, and he's just like, uh-uh. I have to go. I love that. No, you just called. See, see, she had a flip phone. I've argued this many times with people. There's nothing dramatic in a movie about touching your phone off with a touchscreen phone in movies still today people still use flip phones i know this is 10 years old but it's still more common now in movies where you see someone use a flip phone because there's something even more dramatic about flipping your phone closed when you're being evil or angry because in old movies you had a landline phone right and you could slam the 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 phone on the hook and all that great with a mobile phone now you just have to go, I'm so fucking angry at you! Ah! And then gently um, press your finger on the on the screen and then swipe it off or whatever. That's not as dramatic. I hate touchscreen phones. Like, even when I try to hang up, I'm like, okay, where do I... Pr- there, oh, yeah. there it is. Like, I know it's a big button, but I still have to, like, make my, make sure I'm on the right perspective. And you have to sometimes. touch it hard enough, and then you're yeah. like, is it over now? But imagine that dramatic. Like, you can't just dramatically go, oh, it's off now! Like, you slam it with your feet. It's not as fun looking as a as a like slowly folding your phone closed. The only thing I can think of is like crushing your phone with your hand, but then you don't have a phone anymore. Exactly, and that's yeah. just silly. See, see, oh, what a great shot! This oh. a very lovely purple dress. Yeah, it reminds me of the color purple. <laughs> the now that you mention it, yeah, yeah. it does look like purple. <laughs> I was talking about this, the, the, the play you saw one yeah, time. I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
Oh no, she's touching the teddy bear that they left behind. The kid doesn't want the bear, okay? The bear wants the kid. This this is the sequence where she does the most notorious thing you could do. Putting on a rose petal on a bed. And lying down. On the bed cover, not in the bed. That's a little bit... She's not setting traps. She's not doing anything really she's i would love it if she set like roadrunner traps well, well like i you know i was thinking that like you know this feels like the climax she's probably gonna like do something notorious i know that she was holding champagne and glasses but i thought like i mean what's the crazy thing she could do here like leave she... shattered glass lying around i think or... she just thought that her and idris were genuinely gonna have sex Mm, I guess she's she's actually crazy. Like, but but at this point she knows deranged. that they're gonna go on a trip somewhere. So yeah, but she's too crazy to understand. Which that, that and that kind of led me to thinking that she might not necessarily had a history of being crazy, and maybe Idris Elba did wake that in her. I think she's just been crazy, dude. I think she's always been crazy, bitch. She could be. She. It could I wonder what her three months interim was like with her sister who would you cast as her sister uh what was the name of the actress from unforgettable would she be a good one Catherine heigl yeah same character from unforgettable <laughs> could be you don't know i was just gonna cast her again ali as her I'll sister die, okay. but but not with, twins but with a black wig <laughs> <laughs> and she's like my name's Hallie, and he's like, no, Ali, your character's name's not your name, but with H. <laughs> okay. And she's like, I was in here. Uh, you want to know something funny, though? Her, her, her character in Heroes mm-hmm. has identical twin sisters. So every season of Heroes, well, practically every season, her character you're focused on is one of these sisters, mm. and then they die. Or they get disposed of, or they end, and then they go to the next sister. Uh, and it's as boring as you just heard, right? right. Uh, like, her character's powers in the first season is she has a split personality, and she's like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, I think. It's very esoteric. So her power is a mental illness? Well, it's a mental illness that physically manifests, and it's like a Jekyll oh, and so Hyde. Oh, so her body changes. I think she just gets super strength, but I don't think... Okay. I don't know. She keeps looking in mirrors, and there's, like, the evil version of her just, like, looking back, and then sometimes that takes over. Oh, okay. I think it's a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, but it's so unclear, and it sucks. But then the second season, she dies at the end of the first, or something bad happens, I can't remember. One of them, and then the second season's, like, her character's funeral, and then her sister, her identical sister that we've never heard of before is there, and she has a power, too, that's just, like... I can multiply. And I'm like, is this actually... I love the idea that this actress just wants to be more of herself. Just like, can I play more roles of me? So in conclusion, her sister in Obsessed is Viola Davis in a bikini. I would love it if it was Viola Davis in a bikini. (laughs) Which in my logic means she's wearing anything but a bikini. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's wearing a business suit. (laughs) She's her character from Suicide Squad, eating a steak. That's an interesting one piece. She's an interesting one piece, huh? (laughs) She's one piece of tasty. Uh, Hot piece. Mmm, the nicest kind. Idris is just... <laughs> like, he's just... 
He's just so blasé. He's just like, are you there, Sharon? I, I, throughout this sequence, I always kept thinking, like, oh, when are they gonna? When is someone gonna press that one button that calls the police? They never the do. It was a, it was a red herring, I suppose. A MacGuffin. A, a MacGuffin. red herring. It's a thing that's there that can instantly send for help, but you know, and the tension's there. Like, just press it, but it never happens. It's also like Idris Elba. You know, they give him some responsibility to phone the police so mm. it gives him some urgency in the scene if mm. instead of her just pressing a button i loved this i loved watching beyonce kick this woman's ass and mm. kick it hard it's a very yeah one-on-one action ending it's not like you know the end of boy next door where someone's where, where an are... epi pen goes in an eye <laughs> Oh, that is how it ended. But I was more thinking about the fact that, you know, people were restrained, the the building was burning, and the, the villain was very much in control. Yeah. In, in this sequence, obviously, there are fluctuating points. Like, here... Uh, Power dynamic shift. Yeah. She's being choked, and she's not on her feet. Um, but for most of it, she she was the one that was doing the beating. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what I like about this scene, too? It's not forgetting that it's an erotic thriller. Mm. So they're having this intense fight, but then they have some shots where you get, get some nice ass shots of of blonde crazy bitch, like this scene here. There you go. See? Mm. Yeah, you were saying earlier we don't really see any, like, you know, butt cheeks or cleavage as much as Not the much other nudity, but that's probably the best part you get of that, because other than that, before that, you got her back. In a dress. I know that there were a lot of things online saying, like, oh, you know, this film's not that great, but at least you get some... Titillation? There are bits that you watch the film for, like the fight at the end or something like that. Which, you know, if if that's your thing, then, yeah, you'll enjoy the ending. Yeah, uh, this is a crowd-pleasing movie. You know, you cheer, you laugh, you you, you cry. You know, this is, this is a movie that takes you on an emotional roller coaster ride. I mean, you feel sorry for Idris because he's the victim of many things in this movie one of which is rape but he's not aware of that so it doesn't really affect him mentally but you know his life is destroyed for uh three months at least you know and then uh, that will ripple effect mm-hmm. to the rest of his life because of what even in um when the bow breaks they give you an explanation in her crazy mind of why she's after Morris Chestnut, and we could understand that a bit more because they kind of um, deliver it to you with more blatancy. In this movie, we don't even know what set her off. Mm. It's kind of like she just decided that she wants him, and, and you never get an answer properly of what he did to provoke this from her. It just kind of happened, which I think is yeah, is like good. The, there is that one scene where she's, I, I guess, pretending to have broken up with a boyfriend. Exactly. Um, and Idris Elba does, through his own will, say that thing of like, hey, if I were still single, you know. Yeah, exactly. Implying like, yeah, I'd get with you as a compliment. Yeah. And later on, she uses, uses that. that against him. And it, it it felt kind of genuine when she did. I know she misinterpreted it as like, I want to be single so I can be with you. That's not what he said. Yeah. But her use of it, for me at least, it felt like a genuine thing. Yeah. So to an extent, I feel like it's not... It's not an impossibility that you can um, attribute an element of tragedy to her character mm. because her craziness does feel like 
there's a genuine problem there. Yeah, I think she is um, 100% delusional. Yes. While in the When the Bow Breaks, she was pretty delusional, but I think she was a bit more cunning and self-aware. Yeah. And manipulative. She was a bit more in control of her mind, while, you know... This one, not so much. I think she genuinely, her brain is broken and is delusional and she's putting these things together in her mind. And In this film, she... Because in the other films, the femme fatale and the main partner did have a sort of rapport going on. Mm. Whereas in this one, it was never... It was always just like, I'm serious, don't... Don't fuck with me. Don't be around her or whatever. Yeah, I, I quite... Yeah, I've found it uh, very intriguing dynamics used in this uh, movie. You know, mental illness and how it's explored is obviously done for a popcorn-munching audience effect. This isn't trying to be, you know, uh, a movie about, like, oh, a serious movie about, like, oh, this poor woman's suffering from this, you know, mental illness, and it's a tragedy tale about this. It's not, it's not one of these ones that's necessarily, like, bitch, be crazy. It's a little bit of both. It's like in the middle a little bit, but it's it's not focusing on that. It's focusing about how this man's life is getting ruined by, you know, his inability to tell the whole truth. That's kind of what it's about. Because if he told the whole truth to HR, to Beyonce, you know, he would be fine. But also, it also explores that maybe he wouldn't be fine because of his previous behavior and he's a male in an office workplace, which obviously mm. comes with some negative connotations. Yeah, to come back to what you said earlier about how, you know, if this happened, then we wouldn't have a movie. Obviously, if he did, uh, you know, tell people and get help, the film itself would have problems come about from that. Yes, which you could explore, and I'm sure other movies and other situations have. I'm sure Screen Gems has probably explored this issue in another film. Mm-hmm. You know, um... I, I love that she didn't hit straight away, that she hit the chandelier. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a logic there of like, hey, if you keep holding on to that chandelier, it will break and then you'll be crushed between the two things. So yeah. when she did eventually let go and fall on the glass, <laughs> I did have that thought of like, okay, well, at least you did let go. Um, but then what I was saying before about the chandelier falling actually does happen. I personally thought that if the chandelier fell... Hmm. because it's causing a giant rip in the ceiling. I thought it would rip and Beyonce would be in danger. I thought that was one of the things, too. I didn't consider that, actually. Because she's, uh, you know, obviously in an exposed area, and I thought that if it ripped and it fell, Beyonce could fall, too, and I thought that was, a, like, a danger thing. Mm. But it didn't really play into it. That was just my, um, you know, my movie brain going... But it's not needed. Well, this climax sequence was building up to the possibility that you know, Beyonce will be taken down with her, so I can see why you would think that that possibility was still available. Mm. Mm. It wasn't for me, but it's totally believable. Well, the movie has um, reached its uh, ending, pretty much. We're getting yeah, to see her tell the policeman, you know what happened. And in terms of the location, it is sort of bookended, because the film started with them, you know... Moving arri- in. Yeah, arriving on the lawn... 
going in the house, looking in the attic, whereas the ending is, you know, there was a scene in the attic, and now she's leaving the house to the lawn. Yeah, the attic was foreshadowed very nicely in yeah. the opening credits. And I don't know if you picked up on that when you were watching it. I'm like, oh, I personally my, was se- like... my second viewing here with you, definitely, yeah. I noticed immediately, like, oh, they're actually showing the attic. Yeah, and I, I noticed it the first time where he was like, oh, watch out, and... Beyonce was about to step off the board. I'm like, oh, that's going to come back later because that's how movies work. Because mm. you need structure or else it's going to be in- incomprehensible. So the movie has slowly faded out from a still yeah. image. Of his nostril and everything uh, below it. In his mouth uh, agape. Uh, and Beyonce looking like, uh? what a great way to end a movie. Um, I think it's time to get into our reviews and ratings and comments from the interwebs. I don't. I know it's time. Okay, good. I'm going to start first. I think that this movie was a real fun ride. I think it was a good little erotic thriller. This isn't trying to be the biggest blockbuster of all time or art house cinema. Mm. This is trying to just be a fun, sexy adventure that delves into the psyche of characters and play around with power dynamics and how you know withholding the truth or straight out lying can cause a ripple effect over your life even though you're a good person you need to trust in others as well i think this movie had a lot of elements going on i think it's one of these things where I'm not imagining Idris Elba will look back on his career and go, thank God I did this movie, but I think he should look at it, and we should look at it too, as one of the many stepping stones in his career yeah. to where he is now, because this is something, and he this is not the only time he's done Screen Gem movies. He will proceed to go on to do more after this. He does at least one more that I'm aware of called No Good Deeds that came out in 2014, uh, at the height of when people know him. So... Even his career, when it had picked up, he still returned to Screen Gems to do more films with them. So I think he is aware in his brain, at least somewhere in there, that he does owe something to Screen Gems for helping him in times of need. And also, I think they're an interesting company in general where they're getting these, you know, these lower grade um, actors and actresses to be in their movies as leading people. I mean... When the bow breaks, the leading person was Morris Chestnut, who isn't a household name. Most people probably don't know what he's been in. Obviously, he's been in a few movies for us now at this mm-hmm. point, but and we know him, of course, but not everyone knows him, and maybe those kind of movies help people whose careers on the rise or the decline. And I think that's great, and I think this movie was a great platform for many actors and actresses involved. If I have to give this film a rating, which I, of course do have to give this film a rating. I give this film an Idris Elba out of Isla Nublar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, on the topic of you talking about, at the very beginning of your review, um, you know, what this film did, I would also add that, unknowingly, it paved the way for, I reckon, some of the 2010 decades mm. uh, erotic thrillers. Yeah. Because, as we said, there are very much comparisons you can make between this and Screen Gems later one when the bow breaks. Yeah, exactly. Which Fantastic. We interpret because we've seen that one first as this one restraining itself, but in in reality it was when the bow breaks expanding. Exactly. This one was a building block for the other to exist because also different time, man. Maybe they couldn't push the envelope as maybe this was pushing the envelope for 2009 and when the bow breaks is further extension yep and when the bow breaks obviously focusing more on having a 
a full black cast, I think. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much everyone's black yeah. in that, yeah. <laughs> except for, like, the abusive boyfriend character. Yep. And the, and the other thing uh, with Idris Elba possibly looking back and, you know, not necessarily saying, you know, this was one of my greatest roles or anything like that, it's definitely something that we as an audience can look back on and saying, man, he's always had it. He's always had it, man. He's always had it. Always had those nostrils that the film ended on. Um, yeah, I also loved this film. Plenty of great bikinis. Plenty of great acting performances. I think that this is definitely one to check out. Uh, I mentioned very early on in the episode that this could very well be your gateway into the erotic thrillers, which... Yeah. Again, from just hearing that alone... You'll, you might focus on the erotic part and think, oh, okay, this is, like, sexy films. Either are the mm. films that I'm definitely going to get hot on and, uh, you know, do things in response to. But honestly, looking at the thriller part as well, you have to take into consideration that there is a great entertainment aspect to them that goes beyond just the fan service element, the, the, the sexy elements. Mm. These films honestly can be used for psychological study, I feel. Like, obviously, they're, they're Hollywood films, or at least, you know, cinema for entertainment. But they do deal with those crazy kind of characters, those and, you know, interacting with relatively normal characters. Because, you know, what is a thriller if not a type of film where someone you can somewhat relate to is thrown into situations that they're unfamiliar with? Oh. Which, again, that's like thrillers deviation from or, or sorry comparison to horror you know fear of the unknown normal people in strange situations um and that's my review of the genre but this film like i said is a gateway to that it mm. it has that and it's done simple and as we said simple is good yeah and the execution of this film marvelous i loved it it's great and i give it my own winky smiley face and out of me reacting slowly, leaning back into my chair, and the one from the fi- and the smiley face from the film. <laughs> the, the funny thing there back. was the fact that Ryan actually did it, and considering the fact that this is an episode about a guest, that means I was the sole audience of that <laughs> laugh, <laughs> even though Ryan gave the biggest laugh. Because <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> Pride's a sin, though, so it I is. better flog myself. Later. So is lust. So watch this film for the thriller. I'm just clapping at the fact that you nailed it. Yes. Like Jesus. Yep. And things end on applause. But we're going to keep going anyway. Keep it going. You have comments from YouTube? Yes. You have an IMDb review? Exactly. Hit us in the groin with these comments and review. Yes, I will sack tap and cunt punt. Thank you. The enunciations have made that. (laughs) I wasn't complaining on that, but it happened. He's gonna sack whack ya. The joke. And he's gonna cunt punt ya. The joke was just that I was gonna use those two rhyming phrases. Yum yum. But then, as an actor, I added something to it. That's the whole point he, of he, acting. Yeah, he added paprika. And pepper. <laughs> See, that's me adding to something that's already a punchline, and it doesn't work as well. Anyway, I think it worked fine. I think it was perfect. I go against what I said before immediately. <laughs> The first comment from YouTube, and I believe I gathered these from two separate uploads of the trailer. How goody. So generally the same thing being responded to, but just two different sources. The first comment is, 
I feel like it should of been the other way around. Somebody should of been obsessed with Beyonce beautiful ass, not his cheesy ass. That's Idris Elba! Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. His chessy ass. <laughs> That's Idris Elba, you fuck! Next James Bond! <laughs> In 12 years time, a slave! Uh, the next comment is the only one I have that has a response. Good. Is there anything Beyonce can't do? No question mark. Just is there anything Beyonce can't it's do? It's a statement. Yeah. Response. Yes, she can't go to college. <laughs> That's a reference to the film. Yep. The yes has an exclamation at the end, and the end of the comment has the exclamation mark. <laughs> I thought it was great. That's so much. <laughs> it's a reference to yeah. I, yeah. I I think that was great comedic commenting. Good job that responded. That's a that's a love reaction right there. Yeah. Uh, next comment. <clears throat> Very handsome man and hot, and then they and heart eyes emoji. Yeah. Why in my country there is not more beautiful black men? Three question marks. Sad emoji. I love them. Happy face emoji and happy face emoji with the closed eyes. What country are they from? Their last name ended with like a Vic, I think. So definitely somewhere in Eastern Europe. Okay, I was going to say, if they're from England, I got some news for them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Could you read the beginning of that one for me again? Uh, Sure. That was very handsome man. No, no, chessy man. They should have written. Oh, very, (laughs) very chessy man. Yeah, they got it wrong. Okay, go on. Go with the next one. Uh, Second last comment. The only reason, the only reason, just the one, <clears throat> I'm watching the movie is because Beyonce is in it and that it looks good. That's two. That's, that's a, two reasons. That's two. And also the second reason that it looks good. I mean, why would you want to watch a film that looks good? Yeah, I don't know why, man. I don't know why. I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. I don't want to watch bad looking movies. I mean, there are people like that. <laughs> I don't want to watch I mean, bad Beyonce's movies. in it, but it looks good, so you know. Oh, it's a Sophie's choice. Yeah. <laughs> and the final comment that I've gathered is this movie was interesting. Just imagine how much more interesting it would be if he did take out a restraining order, Mm. did report her on the job for harassment, then brackets, then even his big mouth people-pleasing assistant would have been clued in on the truth, close bracket, and his family would have been safe. Because Mm. then we all would see the system in action or system inaction. Fun fact, all those things that you want to see, watch when the bow breaks and see how it does fucking nothing still. (laughs) And those are the YouTube comments that I've gathered. Now hit us with the IMDb review right in the penis. This IMDb review is actually the one that, you know, you have to click see all, but this was the one that was just there when I went to look. You know, I did look at some other ones, but I went with this one. Top dog. Yeah, the, the, well, the randomly featured one of the ones that were taken well. Dog. Top dog at the bottom of the main IMDb page. It's Put weird. the reviews higher. It's weird because... Yeah, I agree. Put them higher. It's like bottom where the message board used yeah, to be. below the goofs and all that. Yeah. Who cares? Go on. Hit us. The title is, This movie is way too bootylicious for us all. <laughs> it is from the... T- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm imagining it's written by a white person. Go on. 
Um, it is from the 25th of April, 2009. So I guess that indicates that the film was released early in the year. Yeah. Because 2009 is when the film's from. And it's a 5 out of 10 review. Oh, good. A middle of the road review. Huzzah. Fellas, do yourself a favour. If you have to see this, see it with your woman, in quotes. Oh. And then in open bracket... By that, I mean wife or very close significant other. Not oh. a first date for the love of Pete. Close bracket. Oh, okay. And make sure she pays. Oh! You all know she wants to see it. By the way, the start of the review was if you need to see this, or if you have to see this. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you all know she wants to see it, and by the end, you'll maybe even thank her for it. Five out of ten review, by the way. Obsessed is one of those movies that women love to watch in their PJs on a Sunday afternoon with a pint of ice cream. Uh Uh-huh. Where when nothing else is on except in it's Uh not not in quote except's not in quotes, but like in two asterisks. Okay. Um for the trashiest piece of trash on TV. And make no mistake, Obsessed is such trash that it is a third-rate rip-off of Fatal Attraction, which many forget was, uh, asterisk quotes, already a rip-off of Clint Eastwood's Play Misty for me. That is true, that is true. Here's what you need to know. Nice business guy with lots of cake and a fine (laughs) mansion and a super fine wife. Super fine wife is... What, what cake? When was the what? Oh, lots of cake. Okay. <laughs> um, where was I? Super fine wife and young tot gets derailed off of living in banality. Yep, that's a word. By a foxy but trouble type of girl who's working part time in the office. Mm-hmm. That's it. No more explanation. If you can guess everything that the characters will do or want, or won't, but without the, you know, yeah. apostrophe, due to incompetence, then you're doing well. Okay. Obsessed makes no bones about being original and, in fact, could be the precise template needed if anyone ever wanted to do a full-blown Zaz style, it's Z-A-Z in all caps, okay. parody on Psycho... Oh, they misspelled Psycho, actually. They spelled it S... Sorry, P-S-C-Y-H-O. So, Psychiho chick fil movies. Okay. It takes itself so seriously that it's hard not to knock on it in most of the scenes. And it becomes further frustrating since out of the three main characters, one actor, Idris Elba, is actually very good. Almost too good. Oh, how dare he be good! Actually very good, almost too good for the material. And another, Ali Lata, fits in in her completely one-and-a-half-dimensional role without much struggle. Only one, Beyonce, seems to actually be trying too hard to act, in quotes, and again gets in trouble as she did in Dreamgirls. Oh, the, yeah, she's in Dreamgirls. Yeah. The direction is very slack, considering it's a TV guy who made it. Maybe only TV, according to his creds. And the writing is slack ear. <laughs> the development of characterization and plot moves along like an expertly crafted diarrhea, <laughs> meaning that it never really stops from its trajectory 
and it may be a little smooth going, but it also hurts trying to see it accomplish some anything aside from pain. And yet, as far as painful cinema goes, it could have been worse. It certainly has the grace to give us a gigantic cat fight at the end that you'd expect... <laughs> Sorry. Give, give us a gigantic catfight at the end that you'd expect samurai swords. <laughs> it's not campy enough to recommend, and by no means if you are a heterosexual male will you get much satisfaction out of it. Girls will giggle and be fine with stuff that, it, that is run-of-the-mill with a few jolting twists along the way. Okay. Very interesting. Mm. I didn't think that this... Mm, I guess this film could be targeted at women. I thought it was targeted at guys because it's a well, that skin, person's, that, skin flick. That person's contention was that it's, you know, trashy and therefore women will like it. Oh, men don't like trash. They only like quality cinema. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. And Michael the, Bay only makes quality cinema. I seem to recall that that person's username was Mr. Something. So, Mr. Bay. So I think it's fair to say that was a male writing Oh, review. really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I thought that was Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce saying that Beyonce's character was trying to act in quotes. Well, Bartek, we're reaching the end of the episode now. We are? Yeah. Oh, look at the timeline. Each passing right. moment, the little thing on the player gets closer and closer to the end, unless mm. we just want to extend it some more, and I just am a dickhead. Yeah, yeah we're, we're almost a quarter of the way. Uh, yeah, in fact, <laughs> we're only like 5% in. Yeah, yeah you're right. End it right now. So, you guys have always have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people. It's been a pleasure to be talking about Obsessed. I've been enjoying this month in general. The spooky month is always something I look forward to. It's yep, always same. fun, you know, to cover these movies. We've got one more left mm -hmm. to do, and then that's it. And we're not going to tell you what it is, but I will give you the hint of it's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> spooky film and spooky month? What Fuck. a twist! Um, twist. <laughs> and that one, and the twist is, it's really not that spooky. Is that the one that we have a guest lined up? We for? have guests lined yep. up. It could be someone I know, <laughs> and I've I already doubt mentioned, it. and already mentioned the name. But um, as always, remember to be kind to each other, but also be also extra cool because we got an email. You might want to email us and say, "Hey, fuckers, you're great. How can I?" Let you know. What? I'm already doing it by writing this email? I'm sorry. Hey, hi, hello there. My name is Tyler Lee Jewell. And I like to send really, really interesting emails about Disney. And now I am doing it to spitandpolished at gmail.com. That's it. That's it. You could um, tell us some movies that we could do in future episodes because we're only two guys with, uh, with, our, with our perspectives. We don't know every single unappreciated mm -hmm. masterpiece. That's the point. They are unappreciated, meaning that they have been kind of left on the wayside. I and mean, even we might not see them or might not have encountered them. I mean, Barzak didn't know Obsessed. I, I hadn't seen and it And now before. I am obsessed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you can do that. We have an iTunes. You can drop us a a rating on there or any um, you know platform that has one that you listen on and uh, yeah we're on multiple things Spotify you know Google Play all of that you can check us out spread us around to all your friends we just passed a milestone we've been at this for three years now yes we did I think I think we might have actually recorded the first ever episode on a date that's just passed in our time of recording right now yeah exactly so yeah. 
Yeah, it's been going for a while now, and it's just been such a fun time. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to doing the next episode and all the others. Yep. Until next time, remember to be kind to each other. Boing, boing. Uh, one more thing on the recommendations. Um, we do always have two theme months yeah. a year. We have the spooky month in October, and then February is just us trying to think of one. Yeah. So on top of you. Uh, suggesting individual films that we can do at any time within the other 10 months, you could give us ideas for spooky films next year or even a theme that we could explore in February. Yeah, whether that theme be genre, actor, you know, director, who knows, whatever whatever you could come up with. Motif. A motif. Things That's like that. Dog month was motif. Yeah. Good idea, Bartek. Yeah. Champion. Yes, I am champ. I, you know, you, you, when you started your review, you said, I'm going to start first. I guess that meant that I started second. What a champ I am, starting second. Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, at the end of Vampire's Kiss, I alluded to creepy thing happening again. Uh, look forward to that next week. I guess. Spooky. Ah!